Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a heck of a Monday night football game. That was some nasty weather. But if there are ever two teams built to play in nasty weather, New England and Buffalo. I suppose the Packers and the Bears have to play in bad weather, and both the Jets and the Giants do, but who are we kidding? It's Buffalo. And it's the Patriots. And the Patriots break the big running play, the two-point conversion, and they win the game. So, New England is 9-4, and four, and they have the best record in the AFC. And I don't know who's more impressive, Saban bringing Alabama back from the edge of oblivion, or Belichick doing it in New England. He had a lot of opt-outs for COVID. Uh, they had some dead money on the cap they had to deal with. And man, it was one year to clear all of that up, and bang, they are back, 9-4. and four. Guaranteed a winning season, four games to go. Maybe they'll end up being the one seed and everything will go through bad weather in New England in January. All right, well, we'll worry about that later. Warriors won, Suns won. Uh, they both pick up 20 wins. They are looking just awesome, just spectacular. So their good starts continue. And Oregon, Mario Cristobal taken off for Miami. Three Oregon re- uh, recruits have already decommitted, more expected to follow. Dick Harmon saying that uh, Oregon wants Kalani to interview and that uh, Dick wasn't sure Kalani would. So there's plenty going on. The coaching carousel, it's humming. And it's now, what are we looking at, uh, 12 days until BYU's bowl game. So, and, and the Aggies for that matter, the back-to-back on Saturday, December 18th. Plenty going on, and I think that's where we're going to start with the bowl game, and here's UAB coach Bill Clark and his press conference looking ahead to the Independence Bowl as UAB 8-4, and four, and the Blazers getting ready to face BYU. Here's Bill Clark. Uh, you mentioned that Kalani Sataki is a guy you knew when he was a coordinator. Uh, can you maybe give a little more insight into that, that, re, that uh, uh, knowledge of, of Kalani over the years? Yeah, I think just watching his teams, you know, and I, I, being a student of the game, you know, being a defensive guy kind of at heart, um, you know, that's kind of my background all the way back to, to when I first started. You know, I started as an O-line coach and then went to defense immediately. And, you know, so you're always looking for guys that do a good job and whose, whose teams play hard. I, you know, I think some, some mutual friends, um, you know, you talk about guys that do it the right way and, and you see it in how they play. You know, the proof's always on the video. Um, so he's a guy I've kind of followed and, and seen what they've done. Obviously, we'll, we would see them playing against maybe teams from Conference USA. Seems like, I guess, last year may have been uh, – we watched them a lot. You know, seems like they had a lot of Conference USA teams and we would follow, you know, maybe playing a team that they had already played. So, you know, it tells us how they play. It tells us uh, who he is. And, and like we always say, you know, first thing I look at is how hard your guys play and uh, their physical – uh, very well coached, and it's obvious why they they've won and they're winning now. And obviously, we know the history of BYU. What was your team's reaction to uh, <clears throat> finding out BYU was going to be the opponent? Yeah, I think you know for us, um, I you know I was not there when they when they heard it. It was a little bit different, you know, because um, we're you know we were well like we were sitting in a room all together. But I do think that you know from what I'm hearing from the weight room, I think they they know it's a, a really good opponent, a quality opponent. And uh, they're excited about the challenge. I mean, I would be worried about them if they weren't. Um, but I think they know. I think they know and, and know what the name BYU means. You know that it and what they've done, what BYU's done. So Coach, did you get anybody back from injury uh, because of the time between El Paso and the 18th that you may not have had? Yeah, I think we will. I mean, today we'll kind of tell the tale on that. But 
you know, we, we did lose some, you know, we had some season ending injuries <clears throat> early in the year. You know, obviously those guys are still out, but I think a lot, we had a lot of wrists and hands and, and groins and hamstrings. And, um, you know, I don't know if we ever really totally recovered from that eight game stretch we had. Uh, we had some guys, you know, we had a bunch of flu uh, going into that last week. You know, we had a few COVID. So, you know, I think all that should be, you know, we'll probably be the best we've been, you know, maybe other than those out, out guys probably since game one. Hey, Bill, what's the significance of keeping this bowl string going? Yeah, I think it's just it – just, it's a mark of a winning program, you know, and I think that's kind of what we want to be known for, um, you know, as a team that, that has a winning – you know, we're, we're winning every year and we're going to bowl games and we're fighting for championships. And, um, you know, as we said earlier, we're – you know, we talk about championships. That's our ultimate goal. But, the, you know, but – Every college program wants to get to a bowl, you know, and, and doing it with a winning record and then obviously playing a quality opponent like this is, is really what you look for and that's what you work for. And I think that that's how we want our program to be known. Bill, this is Jared Lloyd. I also cover BYU out here in Provo. And I was curious, um, obviously UAB is closer to Shreveport than Provo is. Yeah. But BYU's fan base, you said you've watched you know, a lot of their games, seen them play. BYU has fans throughout the country. What do you kind of expect from the atmosphere at, at this bowl game? Yeah, you know, I'm, uh, from hearing, you know, kind of from some folks where, where the BYU fans kind of make it their home, uh, we may be the – it may not be a, a neutral site. It may be more of a BYU fan base, you know. But um, I think that says a lot about who they are, and it says about having a national program. And that's what you want, that you got fans all over and – they're going to come support you, and it, it'll make for a, for a good atmosphere, no doubt. Coach, this is Alex Fahar with the Salt Lake Tribune uh, covering BYU as well. What can you tell us about your program, the way that you guys play? Um, you know, this is a, a matchup that has never happened, I think, in the history of both schools. So um, what can you tell us and, and the fans, at, uh, or, yeah, just football fans, uh, what they kind of can expect on the field? Yeah, I think for people that's watched us really, you know, since I've been there, we've we've wanted to play, you know, really good defense. And, um, you know, that's a – well, that's a challenge every year in the, with the offenses we play. Um, good in the special teams. And, and I think for us offensively, we've, we've always had a run identity. Um, but we like to be balanced, you know. And uh, we were probably, you know, probably been known for run and, and play action shots and um, – but we're going. I think we're going to try and take advantage of our offensive weapons. I think you know, offensively, we've had a good year. Um, we've got a quarterback. You know, we had a, a longtime quarterback, Tyler Johnson. Dylan Hopkins came in and replaced him, uh, and has done a really good job and is continuing to grow. Um, so you know, hopefully, we're a balanced team that plays. You know, the offense and the defense complement each other. Um, and, you know, and we play winning football, which is you know taking care of the football, the basics of the game. You know, tackling and 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 ball security, et cetera. And uh, hopefully that's what you see out of us. Uh, this is your fourth uh, different bowl game y'all played in since returning in 2017. Do you believe just being able to have the opportunity to play in a uh, different bowl game instead of the same one over and over uh, has helped maybe uh, increase the spread of this uh, program's, uh, you know, no, uh, known, known ability? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think that's – you know, I think just kind of what BYU were talking about, about having fans all over, you know, for us, especially in the Southeast region, um, you know, anytime you can play in different locations, Florida, Louisiana, these are all places we recruit. 
uh, New Orleans, you know. So I think all these different bowls help us. And, um, you know, it's good for your fan base. It's good for uh, it's good for recruiting. So, yeah, I think it helps, no doubt. Hey, Coach, uh, Daniel Brown here in Shreveport. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on maybe your past familiarity with the Independence Bowl. Have you seen games in the past? Have you uh, maybe attended one? And also uh, a little bit more on that recruiting aspect, how much can this be an opportunity? Uh, I don't know about NCAA rules and what your coaches are able to do, but uh, maybe getting out here in uh, northwest Louisiana, southern Arkansas, and uh, the east Texas area. Yeah, I think first the Independence Bowl is a, a you know it's a bowl that's known uh, you know it's a historical bowl you know there's been a lot of great games I've seen many great games a bunch of great teams play there you know we come to Shreveport to stay when we play La Tech um, you know we'll stay and drive over because you know we just uh, stay in some really nice hotels there it's a good location for us so we are familiar even though we're kind of in and out you know and just really in the hotel but I think the bowl is is well known you know I think recruiting is. You know, we're always looking for, you know, good – you know, we're always looking in the southeast first, you know, but we look nationally. But, I mean, that just helps your footprint. You know, it's going to be a – you know, I, I know it's a nationally televised game, you know, in a good time slot on a Saturday afternoon. So, that's that's got to help us in, in recruiting and uh, just good for our program. What does it say for the UAB athletics program as a whole that you have this bowl game against a nationally ranked opponent as well as the basketball team having a uh, big non-conference game at home that uh, same afternoon? Yeah, you know, we hate that it all kind of ended up on the same day for our fans, but I think that's that's what we want. I mean, we want, you know, our football program, we've been working hard to kind of be that that team and that program. And I know Coach Kennedy's working hard the same, you know, and I think that's, um, that's what you want as an athletic department is to um, – is to be trying to be playing against the best and, and pushing yourself. And I think obviously both of us are doing that. Hey coach, this is Jay Drew from the Deseret News, you know, here in Salt Lake City. How surprised are you that this bowl uh playing to be playing BYU? A lot of the talk before the bowl was that UTSA would be in the game. Did it come as a surprise to you guys? You know, I don't know. I know our. I know just from talking to conference folks, they feel like we're, you know, and, and you know, it came down to a, a a play here and a play there against UTSA. But um, I don't know. I think we. I guess our conference feels like we're a good representative of you know, uh, somebody that's going to kind of carry the banner for for conference USA and um, may you know. I think BYU obviously they're a, a a team that you think of really good enough to maybe play. You know on you know, against the top teams in the country, obviously, um, from what they've done this year. But um, for us, it's an honor to be going and playing against a really good team. So we take it as a, as a big compliment. Just how excited are your guys to be playing in this game? Kalani Sataki mentioned it yesterday that he thought you guys would be, you know, really stoked basically to play in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think for us, you know, one, you know, playing in a bowl game, obviously for us, there was some disappointment, no doubt, not playing in a championship game. We've done it three years in a row. Uh, but I think then you turn around and we know we're playing a great team uh, in a great storied bowl game. So, you know, there's no doubt our guys are excited. There's UAB coach Bill Clark. When we come back, the Utes' Nick Ford celebrating a trip to the Rose Bowl. And then we'll have Kalani Sataki's press conference looking ahead to the Independence Bowl. But Nick Ford, Utes Center, coming up next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It is time now to talk youth football with Nick Ford. 
He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs. Call 877-346-3333. Nick, good morning. Good morning. Nick, was it as good as you thought it was going to be? You dreamed of winning a Pac-12 title. Now you've done it. Did it measure up to your expectations? Almost definitely. That's without a doubt. <laughs> I saw you on the field prancing around like a show dog. Uh, I mean, that just had to be something, especially for you, a kid who grew up in the area, to know that you were going to play in the Rose Bowl. When you committed to Utah, how much did you realistically think that that was a possibility? Um, I'm not even too sure. I knew, I knew that just, you know, I want to come out here with a couple of the boys and, you know, just do the best that we could do and, you know, become the best team that we can and, you know, that ultimately led to where we are. So, I mean, it wasn't, um, you know, an intentional thing from the very start, but as I learned the culture here, the program, and the history of how we never won the Pac-12 with a Rose Bowl that became pretty much the ultimate goal for me and a couple of boys that came in 2017. So during the game, when did, when did you know you had the Ducks? Did you know when you were watching film? Did you know when you converted fourth and one? You went up 7-0, the pick six. Was there some point later in the game where you thought, yep, it's over, we got them? Um, I want to say I didn't really feel that way until after the game because I don't I don't really want to feel that way because you know there's always things that can happen but as the game continued on there's definitely things where it's like okay we got the first uh, fourth and one okay we got the first touchdown okay we got the pick six okay we got this touchdown you know and this momentum kept rolling that's kind of where I started saying oh yeah but, I mean even from the very start when Kelly started returning that kickoff I was like yeah this is How about the fan base? You know, I covered the Fiesta Bowl in 04, and it was just amazing. Sugar Bowl was pretty good, but I thought the fan turnout was absolutely exceptional, and it really, to me, sitting in the press box, did feel like a home game. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we go out there for warm-ups, and you see everyone, it's like, dang, it's it's, it's a lot of red up there. I forgot what the DJ was saying. It's like, about. Or he makes some noise, you hear him yell, you're like, okay, that's kind of loud. But Utah makes some noise, Utah fans in the crowd. I was like, oh my God, this is not, <laughs> this is not a normal road game. And then we came out for the game, and it was even worse than that. And I was just like, yeah, this is awesome. So a lot was made of the fact, well, it's 13 days later. What can you really change? And I had people who know a lot more football than me saying, well, Utah had a massive advantage in tight ends, and there's nothing Oregon is going to do to solve that problem in 13 days. From your perspective in the line, was it any different? Did they solve any of the problems? Did you have to adjust? Or did you just – it looked like you just picked up where you left off, but maybe it wasn't that simple. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, we knew that they were going to sell out and stop the run, and that's why, you know, it was a little shaky at the start of the game. And uh, that's our style of football. You know, we, we'll start off the game, and maybe it's a two, three-yard run every time, but eventually we wind up breaking out for big runs. And if you want to stack the box, then you've got a lot of tight ends that can kill you and a lot of receivers that can kill you. So, I mean, if you watch the game, there's at times, you know, I, I'd say the entire game is at least – seven people around the box and then even there's that times where it got up to about 10 people and um that's just a part of you know being a good running program once you start running like that they're going to start stacking the box and then once you start stacking the box then you can go ahead and start taking advantage of some of your athletes 
The way I look at it going forward with the Rose Bowl is I, from the youth perspective, I wanted Ohio State because they are the highest ranked team that you could possibly play in that game. So at this point, why not compete with the best to prove once and for all that you guys really are one of the best? How do you look at it? Uh, same way. I mean, but we got to prepare the same exact way that we've been preparing. Um, they're a good program for sure. They got a lot of reputation. They got a lot of good athletes over there. Um, and same thing like Oregon. Even when they're, you know, we're the number three seeded team in the country. Um, we got to go out there, have the same mindset that we've been having for the entire season. Uh, work hard. Don't work too much to where you get burnt out and don't work too little to where you know you become lazy and complacent and then uh, just go from there and play the game like it's meant to be played. Have you watched a lot of Ohio State this year with you guys playing late and them often playing early? Is that something you do to kill time or is this uh, you're going to have to watch film because you don't know anything about them because they're playing on the other side of the country? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, we've seen them. Uh, you know, we hang out, watch games or whatnot, but uh, I wouldn't say we've seen them enough to digest uh, exactly everything. I'm sure there's some of the coaches that have, uh, as they expected this matchup. But uh, for me personally, you know, uh, I've seen them. I know what their personnel looks like. I know their size and everything. Um, but I'm more or less, you know, if I watch football, it's, um, you know, watching their football and whatnot. I, I, I look at it the same way um, on TV. But then when you watch film, it's more of a study session. What is the schedule going to be like now for the next couple of weeks? Uh, I'm not sure. We're going in today at 3 o'clock, and then uh, we're going to find out uh, what we're going to do, and that's pretty much it. Get rolling from there. So did you really just get to enjoy this over the weekend? You told us you were going to have a lot of people up from L.A. and Vegas, and Kyle and his uh, telephone teleconference yesterday said that the team hadn't met as a group and wasn't until this afternoon so just get time to hang out with people yeah for sure i mean my family even drove up here and they're up here for a little while so you know it's been pretty good to, you know spend some time with them and you know relax a little bit and yeah it's just been really fun and then have you already been hit up as far as uh who wants tickets to the rose bowl no, oh, that's not even a question. Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's already going crazy. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering uh, how many uh, does uh, what allotment do the players get? I believe it's going to be six again. That's what I would assume. I hope so. I hope it's more, maybe. <laughs> so, when you look back at this uh, season and how you got where you are, if somebody said. How did this happen? Why did Utah win the Pac-12 this year and not in other years when they had a chance to win the division and they didn't? Or the two times they won the division and they lost the conference title game. What's the difference? Um, you know, some people, um, you know, believe it's you know, the hard work that we put in on, on the field and whatnot. Other people, you know, will believe that we've been playing with uh, 12, uh, 12 players on offense, 12 players on defense with Ty and Alo and um, – I mean, I feel like it's a little bit of both. I feel like, you know, Ty and Alo have become a catalyst for our, you know, our work ethic. Uh, we already have had a good work ethic, but I feel like they've become a catalyst and become, you know, something that we look look for on those hard days and those certain players, you know, who necessarily didn't, um, you know, I don't even say buy in, but those, like, we needed an extra push, you know, Alo and Ty were there for them. and. Also, just the culture, um, the leaders who came back, uh, the leaders that, you know, developed in the year. Um, it's just a combination of a lot of things, and I think that's what ultimately pushed us past that little bump in the room. 
As I look at your season, I think the turning point was halftime against ASU when you were down by 14 uh, at that point, and then you came out and dominated in the second half, and you've really been rolling since. As you look back, would you agree that was the turning point? Uh, I'm not too sure. Um, I, I like I have a really good memory, but when it comes to football, I go I go short. Uh, you know, I, I go ahead and forget about the game and you know move on to the next game because that's how we've been coached. Uh, so I would have to go look at the film to be honest. Uh, I remember, you know. Uh, fundamentals and techniques that needed to be learned from that game, but I don't really remember the game as a whole. Um, so that's that's what I would say about that. I, you know, I definitely remember the lessons to learn from that game, but I wouldn't remember the game itself. Well, Kyle would definitely appreciate that, that you take a game, learn from it, and then just move on, win or lose. I'm sure he's been preaching that and all the assistants have been preaching that. So knowing that that's largely how it works for you, are there any exceptions? Is there stuff like, oh, I definitely remember this about this game oh yeah no there, there's definitely exceptions i'd say you know the pac-12 championship this is for sure i mean all three of them i i remember almost every single play um there's a couple games this season you know like the sc game that's a little bit more memorable and stuff like that and, um and and in every game there are a few plays that stick out to you um but yeah but i, I if it's the bigger games like you know the one that we just played then uh, you definitely remember basically the entire game. You're a thinking man, Nick. I think you've proven that throughout your time at Utah. And going to the Rose Bowl is absolutely awesome. I mean, I grew up in Arizona, worked in California, so the Rose Bowl to me, I've covered it. I've been there as a fan. It is, to me, the best of the best. At the same time, I think your team is obviously a lot better than it was in September. And... I would like to see an opportunity to compete for the grand prize, but with only four teams, I understand why they wouldn't let you in. Uh, Going forward here, as you age out of the college system, what would you like to see for a college playoff? Because I think if you had an automatic bid, uh, I like Utah's chances to advance, but you're not going to get that. So... What would be, and you're on the inside of it, what would you think would be the ideal setup for a playoff? Um, I think the expansion would be nice. You know, I mean, there's a lot of talented teams and there's a lot of teams. You know, we're we're a perfect example of, um, you know, somebody who has a shaky start and then who develops into a team you do not want to see at the end of the season. And um, that's, that's the case for, you know, a few teams in the country. And, you know, it's sad to say, you know, there's four teams and get to, uh, so that's that's just how it's been um, you know going on maybe the expand the playoffs will be cool um, I know the players would definitely be interested in that you know especially since there's some downtime in January there's a little bit downtime every now and again and I mean we're already in paths with weather, uh, weather football uh, spring ball and all that stuff so I mean I mean it's not going to be too much of a difference um, and you know in terms of you know financial ability and stuff, I'm pretty sure universities can afford it. And not only that, it bring in more revenue for those universities playing the next couple games. So, you know, I think it would be awesome. I think it would give more people opportunity. I think it would be financially beneficial for universities and the conferences. And I also think that it, you know, provides more entertainment. I think a lot of things would shake up very different because, you know, there's a lot of teams that everyone says, oh, this is a trap game and whatnot, but it's really just, you know, a good team that may have had like a shaky start or they have the athletes and the capability and they just really go out there and perform well. So 
I've heard a lot of different things over the years, and there are people who think, you know, 11-game seasons, 12-game seasons are enough for a college players' bodies. And then you hear people talking about 14, 15, possibly 16. You're an O-lineman. You're getting hit as much as anybody and hitting as much as anybody. How many games can a college football player play before that's just enough? Uh, well, I'll tell you this. The college football player, if they're – immature and not take care of their body and not listen to the older guys who try to teach them the way, they, they will not make it to season. And the people who do take care of their bodies and whatnot, they'll, they'll be able to last a while. You know, it's not comfortable. I mean, my body definitely isn't comfortable right now. I got banged up, got injuries here and there, and, you know, that, that's not really a big deal. You, you kind of push through them. And that's what Coach always said. There's a difference between being injured and being hurt. You know, there's some things that, you know, are going to be sore and, you know, you can't really, really hurt. So, I mean, that's 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 what I should say. I'm hurt. Um, I have people, uh, places on me that are hurt. I'm not injured. Um, so, if if you're responsible and you take care of your body, you're gonna last a while. You can go, you know, 14, 15 games if you need to. Um, but if you're immature, you don't listen to your teammates, your peers, and your elders who are trying to teach you the way. There's a lot of people who don't make it this season. And that's pretty much the gist of that. Well, Nick, since we're making you commissioner of college football, how about that overtime rule? I mean, I think it's ridiculous to have that two-point conversion. It just doesn't make any sense. Play the game. How about you? Uh, uh, we won the overtime this year, and I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> so I haven't, <laughs> I haven't even really looked into that rule. We've been into it that situation once. Um, I understand, you know, the NFL rule. Uh, just because I'm watching NFL, but I understand that the you know the whole overtime in college football has changed, and I found that out on the fly uh, when we played San Diego State, and then no one else is. I don't think no one else really has looked into it that deep, um, which is something I definitely want to look into after season because I was so confused and I was like, okay, these are situational downs. Okay, I have to go go out there and play that. <laughs> So would you go back to the uh, 25-yard line, four snaps? Did that work for you, or you got something else you want? Say that again? Would you go back to the rule the way it was a couple years ago where you got the ball at the 25-yard line and you had four downs? Oh, yeah, I like that rule. It was pretty cool. I mean, it's it's basic football right there. You don't get the 25-yard line, you go back and forth. (laughs) Well, congratulations on the Rose Bowl and allow a little time so – you get healthy again, so that'll be that'll be a positive. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you when the Rose Bowl gets closer. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Congratulations, Nick. Thank you. Have a good day. There's Youth Center, Nick Ford. When we come back, BYU head coach Kalani Sataki. Stay with us. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach, meeting with the media, looking ahead to the Independence Bowl with UAB. Here's Kalani. All right, we're um, really excited to – go out to Shreveport and they're playing the Independence Bowl and we're excited about the opponent being uh, UAB. Uh, a lot of respect for, for that program and, and for that university and uh, looking forward to the matchup and looking forward to being out in Shreveport together. I know there's a lot of uh, festivities and all that stuff going on throughout the week and it's an honor for us to, to be on the field and to compete against a wonderful program like UAB. Um, Bill Clark's an amazing coach. He's one of the best in the business. And I like the way he runs his program watching film. It's, it's interesting because we were able to watch with last year's schedule. Um, we had a lot of crossover games. And so we saw a lot of film on UAB. Um, 
uh, depending on the opponents. But when we're looking up film and saw the, their brand of football, um, and then even looked up some years before because we we're trying to play against uh, teams in the Conference USA. And so um, our opponents there and uh, just noticed their, their team, the athleticism, the speed, and, and the way they, they're physical at the line of scrimmage. So um, it's, a, it's a great matchup for us and looking forward to this game. But uh, tons of respect for what they've done. And, uh, you know, last year watching their film, uh, it, was, it was no wonder that they, they ended up winning the, the uh, conference championship. And uh, they've won a lot of games in the last in the years that, that uh, Coach Clark's been there. So um, we, we see on film how, uh, how they have some great athletes uh, and, and uh, good-looking bodies. They, they have an outside backer, Deanna, that, that looks – he's, he's one of the best guys you'll see in college football. And so uh, – and I, I'm, I know I'm just mentioning one guy, but there's tons of speed and athleticism on, on that field when we watch the film. And so we're really excited about the matchup. Um, we're honored to have another opportunity to play the, uh, together as a team and looking forward to the game. And so this, this is going to be uh, fun for us. Uh, you know, our, our focus has been to – try to get ready for the bowl game after we ended our game, our season with uh, USC. And uh, now that we know our opponent, we can get, we can get back to work and, and be a little bit more focused on the, on a team that has tons of, uh, tons of weapons to play really uh, great uh, complimentary football. So uh, looking forward to the game, looking forward to being out there in Shreveport. And you guys know me, I'm looking forward to that, that good food out there too. So uh, we're gonna have some fun and, and, and enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to getting to work today and being the focus on, on, on a wonderful team like UAB. Thanks, Coach. We'll start with Daniel Brown and then Jared Lloyd. Hey, Coach. Uh, Daniel Brown from KTBS here in Shreveport. Uh, first off, congratulations. Uh, and secondly, what is your uh, past uh, familiarity with the Independence Bowl? Have you seen games previously um, with, uh, you know, this program, that's a bowl game that's been around uh, for a long time? Oh, yeah. And, and, and I think for – um, for me, it's the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a football junkie. And so I'm going to watch every bowl game that I can. I obviously there's some games that we're playing going to be playing and there's going to be the games that same day, but I plan on watching every game that I possibly can. And, uh, this is one that, that I've watched throughout the years and, and, uh, I've been really impressed with, and I'm, I'm at the, um, I'm just, I've been really impressed with the way, uh, way they've sent out representatives from the independence bowl to our games. And I've met a, a good number of them and uh, just uh, first class, just uh, great individuals, uh, great leadership. And uh, there's a lot of pride and, um, and, and, you know, and, and tradition in, in that, in that bowl game. And so we're really honored to honored to be part of it. We knew that this was in the mix uh, when we, when we signed the agreement and we were really excited for that. And now that it's, it's, it's here, uh, we're excited to get this game going and, you know, and, and being out there. We're, we're looking forward to it and looking forward to the matchup with, with UAB as well. So I think all of it's working out perfectly for us and uh, just, just really excited to play this game. Kalani, you always talk about how you can focus on controlling what you can control. And obviously the whole CFP situation, what was going to be, what the committee was going to do, whether a New York new Year's six bowl game was in play or not was out of your control, but how much attention did you pay to that? What was your thoughts as, as that process kind of came together in the last couple of days and, and then ending up, you know, where you were contractually obligated. Well, I haven't really talked about it all, all year long. And, and uh, this is, I think this is one of the first questions about it, but uh, focus is the, 
what we what we can uh, what we have right in sight, what we can control, which is uh, this game that's coming up on December 18th, and that's all the focus is on for us as a program. Uh, and so that's that's what it's going to be about. You know, I, I don't I don't control anything that happens other other than what we can control right now, and that's playing this game. And and from what you know, as a program, I, I can't control what everybody else says, but as a program and from the coaches, staff, and the players. We have tons of respect for this opponent and looking forward to the game. And, and uh, I mentioned before in an opening statement that Bill Clark's a great coach. He'll have his guys ready, and we're, we're, we're expecting their best shot. And my job is to make sure that, to, to, that we have our best shot show up uh, that afternoon in the Independence Bowl. Okay, we'll take a question from Jeff Spiegel and Sean Walker. Coach, you mentioned the respect you have for Coach Clark. And um, – how much is that respect kind of amplified considering that the program was shut down as recently as 2015 and 16 and how he built that back up? Well, look, look at what's happened since, since that. And the, when they brought football back to, to the university and, and the, the amount of wins that that's happened and, and the, the couple of conference championships, you know, so um, uh, obviously he's doing something right. And, and obviously there's, there's a great demand for, for football uh, with that fan base. Um, and so they have a lot to be proud of. Uh, I see a lot of potential. I, I saw it last year watching film and I see a lot of potential even this year and what they can, what they can, what they can accomplish. Um, I see the same thing in our team too. So I, I, I expect a tough battle. It's going to be a lot of fun, but um, the respect is there. Because that's how we handle all our uh, We know that college football is hard. Winning games is hard and, and tons of respect to us and we've watched all the games this year. We watched a number of games last year. So we're looking forward to it. Somebody's joining the call that um, needs to mute. And we're hearing a lot of feedback. Please, if you'd mute. Thank you. I was trying to figure out what the playlist was and what the song was. <laughs> Go ahead, Sean. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, Coach, I was, I was going to ask you a little bit about UAB because this is a program that, I mean, was like literally cut by the university just I think it was four years ago. And it seems like they've, I mean, it almost seems like they've come back better, uh, better than ever, better than they were before. Is that something that, that you've kind of taken notice of and, and kind of praised your guys of like, this is, this is sort of a second chance program and they're really going to give you guys their best shot still being the number 13 team in the country? Well, our guys, our guys understand the opponents. They respect them, and they see the film. So there's, there's not really much that I have to say to them, other than the, what they already know and how they operate. And then that, that is to respect their opponents and, and to see what they've done. But uh, in regards to what's been, what the adversity they had to overcome, uh, when, when something's taken away from you, um, and then, and then you have another chance at it, uh, they're going to do it right. And uh, that coaching staff, the players, the way they they work together, the toughness that they bring to the field, you can just see it. And I, I don't think there's ever a, a threat of them losing football ever again because that program belongs on the football field and in college football. And it's, it's an honor for us to go against them. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, we'll have questions next from Alex and then Jim Watson. Coach, what was your reaction as you were watching the selection show that um, BYU didn't make it into New Year's Six contention when, um, you know, you guys finished 10 and two and, you know, you had that head to head win over Utah and, and all that. All I care about is who we're playing. That's a, I didn't even watch the show. It's it, there. We had a, 
we have some alumni playing in NFL games that, that I wanted to watch that I don't normally get to see. And so between that and church, I didn't have a lot of time to see it. I just, once I got the, the, the green light on who we're playing, that the focus became on prepping for us. So I, I'm not into the, the, the narrative outside of what I can control, which is get the team ready to play. We're looking forward to playing another game. We knew that we earned the right to play another game. Uh, where that game was going to be and who the opponent was is all that I cared about. And now we know, and the work goes on. So that, that's, that's the focus. Coach, can you speak a little bit to uh, the injury situation this year? How you all have had multiple injuries, but you played through it and still have been able to uh, not only beat, but in some cases dominate some Power 5 schools. Yeah, I, I think the uh, it just speaks to the, the youth on our team and the leadership on our team, but also the, the, the coaching. You know, I, I, I've been really impressed with um, our guys being game ready. Last year, we had some opportunities to play some young guys early in games um, just because we had some games that were under control and gave some valuable reps to those young men. And, and those guys are the ones that are stepping up. We lost a lot of production last year to the NFL. And so um, it was a time for a lot of these young guys to start the season. And uh, what we started with at the beginning of September in game one, we didn't finish with in, in, in game 12, but that's okay. The guys are ready to roll and, and guys stepped up to the, uh, you know, stepped up when their names are called and, and made plays. And it wasn't perfect, but the effort there, I can work with guys that give, that give tons of effort and that are, are tough and physical. If you, if, you, if you give us that, then we can work with the rest. And that, that's, uh, that's been our, our mantra here. And so, um, you know, regardless of whether you're on scholarship or first string, second string, third string, we expect everybody to live a certain standard. And that means to show up and be tough and play physical, but also play smart. And then also have a great appreciation for the game and gratitude for the game. So these guys are excited to play this game, excited about the opponent. We're honored to be on that field with them. We're looking forward to being part of the, of the Independence Bowl festivities and getting to know the good, great people of Shreveport, Louisiana. And, and um, it's going to have a great, great time with it. We, we deserve the opportunity to play another game and, and so did UAB. And so we're looking forward to that game. It's going to be tons of fun. I, I, I want our guys to go and enjoy this. Um, some of these guys is going to be the last time they play football. So I want them to, to take advantage of every little bit they can. And, and this is an opportunity for um, us to, to take them out there early and, and to show them a good time and, and, and to see what, what the, the bowl games can all be about in, in out, out in that area in that region of the country. So it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, next we'll go to DeCarmen, followed by Mitch, and then Jay. Hey, Coach, congratulations for a great season. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, you've had a lot of success in preparing for bowl games, but I was going to ask you what your reflections were on when you were with Lavelle Edwards and Kyle Whittingham, two of your mentors, how they prepared for bowl games, things that they emphasized, kind of a big picture thing, and then some specific things like uh, the schedule, the uh, practices, the intensity level, um, managing injuries, holding out people, um, just your overall uh, physicality approach uh, to bowl games. What did your mentor say, and then how do you how do you kind of filter that into what you want to do? That's a bunch of questions, Dick. And one one, I mean, I'm uh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember all the things that you asked about. Okay, so the bowl prep. With, with Lavelle and Kyle, um, with Lavelle, the, the bowl prep was, was a lot of fun because he took advantage of, of um, being around families, having the players that those that are married. Um, we have 37 on our team that are married, so having their spouse being able to travel out there and enjoy the, 
the time together there. I mean, we're going to be out there for a few days, so it's going to be a good time and, and having them get to just, just appreciate them for um, allowing us to take their, their loved ones away for quite a bit of time, you know, to prep for football games and travel and things like that. Um, but the bowl prep mindset is to go out and, and to perform at our best. That's the, that's the key. And, 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 and me as a head coach, I want to take advantage of the extra time, the practice time. So there's a couple of things in there, Dick, that I think we need to accomplish. One is to develop young guys because I have to develop these young men into going into spring ball. So we have to utilize the practices and the mindset of, okay, some of these young men probably won't play in this game, but they need to take advantage of all these practices. And then there's other guys that have, are seasoned that played most of the season and most of the year. And, and we've got to find a way to keep them fresh, but also make sure that our timing is right with all of them in all three phases. Um, and they can improve too. There's some guys on this team that, that still need to improve. Uh, all of them do, but, but uh, at a different rate than some of the young guys that we don't anticipate playing. So if we can um, accomplish all those guys and, and to progress and get better and develop, that's part of our team development is that we need to take advantage of all these practices and the game is just an added bonus that you get to you get to practice and then you get to play a game at the end. It's like spring ball, but you get you actually have a, a game against the opponent and um, you're, you're you're kind of spoiled a little bit. You know the the, the bowl game takes care of you. So uh, that to me, the extra practices are vital to to keeping the program strong. And then um, compared to what Lavelle had, we we didn't have an indoor facility when I was playing, and so um, I think that had a lot to do with prepping for the games. I mean, it's, it's going to be cold here. So we have an indoor facility now. We're going to take advantage of it, practice in the, in the indoor so we can have, I mean, there are times I remember playing um, when I played my days and we, it was cold outside with the rotate working um, time in the annex, which was about 30 yards of turf. And so now we have a full field to work with a nice building. And, and so we're really grateful that we have that to work with. Um, and then, you know, I've learned a lot of things from Kyle in the prep that, that, that uh, you have to accomplish a lot of things, but the, the main thing is, the, is the, the game itself, but also it could be utilized to get everything else ready. There's a lot of development that can happen, even with coaches, not just with the players themselves. Kalani, have all of your players expressed that they'll be playing in the bowl, or are you expecting some opt-outs potentially? Yeah, I haven't heard anything about opt-outs. So I, I anticipate everyone to be playing if that, that are able body that are, that are healthy to do it. Kalani, speaking of which, we know Isaac Rex is, is out. Or any other guys uh, will be back, like maybe a James MP or a Neil Pau, or uh, which guys have a chance to play that we haven't seen lately? Um, maybe a chance with James. Um, Neil, still highly unlikely. I mean, we'll see that the game is a lot earlier in the bowl um, season than, than others, and so uh, – you know, whether evaluate how it works. I mean, just because they can play doesn't mean that they're, they're, they're ready to go. You know, when this is a physical game and uh, sometimes, um, you know, other injuries happen when you try to rush them back too early. So uh, I'd like to see all those guys return, but you know, Isaac Rex is, is in sur had surgery and is in, in rehab and trying to get better for next year, but um, no new uh, season ending injuries. And then we'll see if we get some guys back, like, Harris Chance and others, uh, there's a good chance that we, we might be able to see them come back. Okay, next we'll have questions from Jay Catch, then Daniel Brown, and Wesley Boone. 
Kalani, how are you going to balance, obviously, finals and getting ready for this bowl game? Because you mentioned it's one of the earlier bowls. Yeah, uh, finals we have to work. I mean, we've we've been here before, so uh, we'll have to work with uh, the teachers and 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 um, hopefully, you know, our guys can get some finals done early. I know that we'll have our guys taking some finals um, out out while we're in Shreveport. And so, um, yeah, we'll just have to work it out. The guys have done it before, so we're, we're luckily we have some um, you know some students are taking care of their business from the beginning and. Uh, we, we thought that this might be the case going to this bowl game. So everyone's get, trying to get ready uh, and trying to make sure that we have everything's in order. Coach uh, Daniel, once again, uh, kind of a multi-parter, uh, BYU, a national brand, uh, known nationwide. Uh, Shreveport's located around three separate states, Louisiana, Texas, and Arkansas. How much can this be a recruiting opportunity to further expose uh, people to the, the Cougars' identity and then uh, also you had mentioned that you were looking forward to trying that good food. Have you ever been to Louisiana and tried Louisiana cuisine uh, down here directly? Yep, I have. And um, we, we played in, in the Sugar Bowl years ago, and that was I – mean, the game was fun, but the food was, was unbelievable. And so, I, I mean, you don't get this body from not eating. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to – I plan on gaining some weight while I'm out there. And uh, – and then try to lose it all of 2022. But we'll, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, I, I'm just, as, as far as, as getting our, our, our brand out there, I think it's important that, that, that uh, especially with us in the future going to, to the Big 12, to kind of look at different regions of recruiting and, and guys that, can, uh, that, that would fit in our culture and fit in our program. Um, uh, we have a high number of guys on our team that, that aren't, aren't members of the church, but, but are, but are um, great ambassadors of their families and, and what we're trying to promote in the mission of our school and the mission of our program. So uh, I think uh, for me, it's just finding great young men that are from wonderful families that can fit what, what we're trying to get done on the football field, but also are excited about um, you know, representing uh, their backgrounds and, and, and um, the sacrifices that their families make for them. I think there's a, there's a good uh, mix that we can have with guys that, that fit our program, fit our style of football. And, and can do really well for us. We, we've got a number of them on our team that, that have done a great job, um, you know, just kind of preaching what we're about to everybody. And so uh, we're, we're a faith-based institution. So we're going to always preach, um, you know, the words of Christ and try to do our best to represent uh, our beliefs. And so we're playing a tough game, football, it's physical and violent, but we're going to try to um, show as much sportsmanship and class as we can. And so I think we're, we're coming to the right area, and I think uh, a lot of the fans can appreciate what we bring. And so regardless of the outcome of the game, we're really excited uh, being part of this, this, this uh, Independence Bowl and being a part of the, uh, being able to compete with UAB on the field. That's a wonderful team and, and represents well, too. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I know that it's closer to their home, so uh, they're going to have some good representation, and we're expecting some as well for, for BYU. Coach Wesley Boone with KTAL in Shreveport. You kind of touched on it right there at the end. With this bowl game having an earlier start date, what kind of positive impact do you think it could have on your fans traveling to the game? And then to kind of piggyback on Daniel's question, is there any particular dish you're excited to get your hands on once you get to Shreveport? Well, I mean, when you mentioned food, I got to talk about that one first. So I, I, that, I, there's not a – there's not a dish I haven't tried that I didn't like, you know, so um, 
I'm going to try it all. I've tried everything. So I, I don't know if there's anything that I, that I can say I, that I don't like. So I'm not picky. I think, I think uh, I'm, I'm every chef's dream where, where I'm going to always want seconds or thirds. So that's how it works. But um, being, being in the area, being in the region, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm looking forward to meeting great people and our players are too. We, we, we're looking forward to meeting the wonderful people at Shreveport and we're expecting our fans to be there because they've been there for us uh, ever since I've been a player. And, and so we're, we're looking forward to seeing them. I think it's early enough for, the, for, for them to make some um, arrangements to the travels and, and, and it's on, you know, on the weekend. So we're expecting the uh, Cougar Nation to show up like they've always have been and, and just want them to know how much we appreciate their support. Looking forward to performing one more time with these boys and, and, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. And regardless of the outcome, we're just really thankful for uh, college football, for this opportunity to play this game and, and to be this in this in the defense bowl game as well. There's Kalani Sataki. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines on the way next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag NFL. Toss comes to the near side for Harris. He runs through a big hole. And he's gone to the 50. A first to the 40. Alone to the 20. Damien Harris to the house. Touchdown, Patriots. Snap. Fakes a hand up. Fires a strike. Caught. Touchdown, Buffalo. Touchdown, Bills. It is Gabriel Davis. An absolute fastball from Josh Allen. And the Bills find the end zone. Cashing in on the takeaway. Jones under center. Flanked by two teammates. He steps back. Two steps. Takes the knee at the That's 10. Boys. And the Patriots take a win back to New England. The Patriots beat the Bills 14-10. to it says here, a blustery Monday night football game. That looked miserable. It was blustery. I grew up in San Diego, and I'm soft when it comes to weather, but holy cow, that looked awful. But the Patriots found a way to win. Broke a big run play, got a two-run conversion, played some defense, and got out of there with the best record in the AFC 9-4. and four. Three other teams sitting at 8-4. and four. Patriots still have the bye week coming. But their impressive run continues, PK. So was it last week, uh, going into the ball games before last week, you said Taysom was three and one as a starter, so Mac Jones is now nine and four. Mac Jones is nine and four as a starter. No, he's not. Okay. The team is nine and four in which games he started. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> That's the equivalent, the literal equivalent of one third of an inning and getting the win, then. <laughs> it is. That was it absolutely. That was a bizarro game. Mac Jones finishes two of three for yeah. 19 yards right. because they had the lead and the weather sucked and they didn't want to risk turning it over. Except Josh Allen threw the ball to the usual amount of times because they were behind and they had to. And Josh Allen completed no, a, a lot, a lot fewer behind. passes. It's less than one score the entire game. Nor were they as good as running the ball. <laughs> That's the key. Not that they were behind, that they couldn't run the ball as well. If they would have run the ball as well, they would have had not that. If you're only if behind. They'd been a, if they'd no. been ahead, they would have been content to run in the line three times and punt the ball with a wind Which has back. nothing to do with Josh Allen. It's just everything with the defense, which my point is to credit a, a quarterback. That's his record. 
That's the team's record in which he started. And last night was literally the ultimate case of a team win. There's nothing you need to prove more. Mac Jones did very little to run his record to nine and four. That is true. So, but nonetheless, he's not going to be a twenty game winner this season. Quarterbacks still get judged by no, wins and come from behind wins. Yes, they do. How hardcore are the fans? Would you ever go to a game and sit in something like that to watch it when you knew full well you could sit at home on TV and watch it? How hardcore do you have to be to sit in all well, that? Well, if I paid for it, I would. The Bills Mafia is pretty hardcore. If I paid for they it, hardcore. <laughs> That's why I don't go to a buffets. You're paying for a bunch of food you don't eat? Well, I'm not going to, I don't want to overeat, but if I'm paying for it, I guarantee you I would do it. Feel That's com- why I don't go to buffets. Feel compelled to throw it down. Yeah, I don't waste money. I mean, wasting, I don't mind spending money. I've gotten way more uh, loose with that than I ever was before because I didn't have any. Now I have some. Uh, so, but I still, and I think most of us still hate wasting money. You pay for something as long as you get the value, but wasting money is a kick in the teeth. So if I had season tickets, or for whatever reason I identified that game when single game tickets went on sale, you better believe I'd, I would have been there. I mean, it wasn't raining, and they had a little light snow at the end. Come on, these are people from Buffalo, bro. <laughs> I know, but 60 mile an hour They winds. have pick- uh, picnics in these, these types of conditions. That would be spectacular if someone had been out there with a blanket just sitting on the ground. Well, I'm sure they tailgated. So they were doing they were it. Probably jumping through tables yeah. like they typically <laughs> do. They were doing it. Diving and breaking them in half. Kayvon Thibodeau has announced he's going to the NFL draft and he is not going to play in the bowl game. Odds on him being the number one pick? Well, who's going to end up with the number one one pick? Tell me that. And what their particular needs are. Could be the Lions, but probably, it could be the Jaguars. Detroit. But what? Probably Detroit. Yeah. And go out there and win another game. I mean, certainly, I've always thought he was going to be top five. I think a lot of it depends on you know what the team is and who what you know what if it's the Lions, what they think of Jared Goff, and because like, apparently his record is oh or no one something and something. Although it was way cool to listen to the the Lions coach read uh, dedicate the win to the Oxford and all that stuff that's been going. I've been to that campus. My nephews went to that high school. That's bizarre. They they took me over there. They played on the football team. And to see all that and to have, obviously, just unbelievable, awful story. Uh, but I don't know what they think of Jared uh, Jared Golf. You see his girlfriend, though? I saw something. His girlfriend was doing some Sports S- Illustrated. S.I. Swimsuit shoot, standing down by the seawall. Yeah, I saw it. She's screaming, that's unbelievable, they won. Yeah, I wasn't looking at the seawall, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I know you might have been, but I wasn't. <laughs> that was, that was like some impressive seawalls. <laughs> How many of them? About just, just two? Just two. Yeah. 11 NFL players placed on the COVID-19 reserve list, all of which come as a result of positive tests. Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen, Packers quarterback Jordan Love, some of the bigger names on that list. Adjust your fantasy football teams accordingly. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
it's okay for people not to understand. And it's okay for people to be upset. And it's okay for people to be happy. I don't judge. When granted an opportunity like I have for the past five years, it's just 100% in, all in, every ounce. And it's hard. Can't put it in words, the difficulty of moments like this. And players and coaches, we are in a profession that is as wild and as crazy, as untimely as you could ever imagine. That's Mario Cristobal. He is living in Oregon and going to Miami. Taggart left and went to Florida State. Oregon has lost another coach all the way across the country. Well, it was clear that these discussions were going on before Utah played these guys the first time. And don't don't preach to me all in. Your team got steamrolled. Now, taking nothing away from Utah, they took advantage of it. They're going to the Rose Bowl. So... I don't want unintended consequences like you had in your big Twitter beef when you said Lincoln Riley didn't want the SEC and all your Utah fans, much to your dismay, attacked you. Uh, so I'm not attacking Utah and say they backdoored it, but it's don't don't sell me this all-in BS when it's obvious that your folks had had conversations at least three weeks, if not four or five, however many weeks, I don't know. So with that in mind, that, that's crap. And for BYU, you better watch out. Kalani has been contacted. I know there was a tweet out there. The guy who gave that tweet to Harmon had talked to me earlier in the night. I just don't like to put things out on Twitter like that. I'm not, I'm, I'm very rarely am I going to break news on Twitter. And then I talked to him about an hour later. As after I'd already filed my story with KSL.com, you can see it here this morning. Kalani has been contacted. The assistants at BYU know full well. It's not a uh, Bronco Mendenhall. Oh, Surprise! Yeah, no. Everybody is well aware of what's going on. And I have a quote, and you can look at it. It'll be up at KSL here. Uh, I think it's probably sometime in the next hour or so. Uh, the quote was, it's going to be an interesting week here. So the opportunity is there. I don't know that he's going to get offered the job. I don't know that he's going to take it. But I'm telling you what I know that I will stake my entire reputation on at this point. That he's in the mix. Yeah, very, very strong. Yeah, and one you know you can extrapolate. And one of the things is that well they got burned by guys who went home to Florida. Kalani's already home, so the only home he would come back to is if Harlan changes his mind and doesn't give the gig to Scally, whenever that might be. I don't believe Kyle is retiring this year. I've been saying this for weeks. And somebody hit me up. Well, he's out recruiting. You keep. I'm not saying he's retiring. I've not said that. And you can go back and read it. If it, it, Go back in the KSL archives. I said he's not retiring this year. I'd be shocked if he retired this year. I said maybe next year or the year after. Uh, so there's a possibility you could still lose Kalani if he took the job to go home to Utah because obviously the U of U is just as well as home as BYU is. But that's one of the reasons that he'd be leaving home. He'd be leaving his alma mater. As opposed to Cristobal returning to his. Yeah, yeah. So it's like that already played out. So back to what I said, I got a quote from somebody that said, this is going to be an interesting week. Now, Tom was on their BYU Sports Nation, and they were previewing the soccer matchup with the ladies who lost in the penalty kicks uh, last night to Florida State. Congratulations on them and an outstanding season. Uh, and he, they asked him, I think Spencer asked him, and Spencer did a great job asking because he came on to talk about BYU women's soccer, obviously, 
uh, to preview the the game, and and it was it was for the Natty, so I mean, obviously, it's as big as you can get in the women's soccer for college. And Spencer turned around and asked him about Kalani, and he said that you know we're working on paraphrasing here, but we're working on stuff. And he's our coach, and their good things are going to happen. That's great news. That's great news. That's what I want to hear because the coaching staff has been waiting for BYU to get the ball rolling. They've been waiting for weeks on this. Well, the ball's rolling right now. It's got to roll right now. This is the time of year. And Oregon's going to try to move quick to try to salvage some semblance of the recruiting class. Three which is, What is de- it? At, uh, uh, two weeks from tomorrow? And three uh, players have already decommitted. Oh, it's a bunch of players. Anonymous yeah, yeah. coaches are saying there's going to be way more than that. Everybody right. is going to pick over their recruiting class. It was well thought of. Uh, yeah. Everybody would be prying, trying to pry I mean, away the kid. Prying is the word. I mean, right. they could bring in someone and that coaching staff. Can, Absolutely. But that, and Kalani's going to take multiple plus coaches off this staff. That, that I have been told that kids have committed to him. Not to BYU, but to him. Meaning, I'll go where you want me to go. If you go to Oregon, I'll definitely go with you. If you want me, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, have to see how that plays out. So all that stuff is factoring into it. And I do think the Sewell kid is going to transfer and come to Utah. I don't know that, but we'll see. His brother was out there on Twitter putting the eyeballs, I guess. The one who plays for the Utes. So... Uh, you know, you got to see who the coach is, and they'll move fast. I think they'll have one by the end of the week, early part of next week, and it could be Kalani. I'm not saying that it is, but it could be. And now's now's the time. This is what we've been talking about for weeks, and the time is here. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Embiid with it, top of the key, jumper, shot up, good again, Embiid with 43 points. Jokic on a clear out against Vooch, back it in right block, double on the ball from Levine, he threw it away, stolen by Ayo, two, Levine with a two-handed dunk, and the wheels are off the Denver Nuggets. Middleton gets knocked off his feet by Stevens, no whistle, Bucks will have the basketball still, here's the left wing three from Giannis, and the birthday boy delivers the dagger from the left wing. Goes in. Inside to Cam Johnson and over to Aiton Stuffman. Oh, a great pass through traffic from Cam Johnson to DeAndre Aiton, and he is at the rim and in. Draymond has the rebound. A Curry pump fake, fly by, three ball, got it. And the lead is back to 22. George cross. George with six to shoot on the right wing. Over a double team, long two. It goes. Paul George, nothing but nylon, and that's likely the dagger. Highlights from a busy night in the NBA. The Warriors and the Suns both win again. They both improved to 20-4, and four, tied for the best record in the NBA. They're both coming off losses and avoid the back-to-back defeats. Suns, it was pretty tight with the Spurs, but they win 108-104, and the Warriors just blew the magic out 126-95. Those two teams don't seem to be blinking here early in the year, PK. They just keep piling up Ws. 20-4 and four is an awfully good clip. Yeah, I watched that uh, end of that game with the Suns. Chris Paul is just amazing. Uh, that that mid-range turnaround shot that he's got, uh, you know, comes across and pu- turns his left shoulder, squares up. It's just deadly in in a era in an era in which the three-pointer is so highly emphasized. And that's almost like that's almost a no. That's like a traveling violation or something. If you do that, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. Some nerd from Caltech says you can't do that anymore. And yet he continues to do it, and it's such an impressive shot. He's six feet one, barely, if that, 
stood with next to him many times, and and I'm a strong, almost five eleven. And to have him make that so consistently and so long, you know, if they win a title, it's going to be like the Barkley thing, to where he barely played there, but that's where he's going to be remembered, and he's going to be worshipped in that community. If they should actually get it done, I mean, he's at, right now he's done exactly what Barkley did. Barkley won the MVP, uh, but as far as the finals, that's what I think. Your your point guard should be your record. Then, that's, forget about the leading assists. What what was Stockton's record? And then that's how many wins did he get? That's what matters. If Josh, if Mac Jones can get credit for that win, then I want Chris Paul getting credit for that win last night. Chris Paul shoots the two at a rate that other people just don't do it. So all the Caltech analytic stat guys would refigure all the formulas for him because the formulas are all figured on guys who might make, might miss a 15-footer. He is so automatic. You don't, you don't think Devin it Booker could do it? changes the math. You don't, other people don't, you don't think do it. Mitchell could, could they do it? Do it? No. Should yeah. they do it? If you, you think shoot, Mitchell could do it? If you could shoot 70%, spotting up, pulling up and, and hitting that 15-footer, it would completely change the I don't math. know that and he's sh- shooting, so you randomly picked that I did, number. I'd randomly pick it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but I know they know. I mean, we don't know, but they know. You don't think Mitchell could do it? I absolutely think he could do it. Well, if he could, then do it. Then go shoot 70% from there. It would change the outcome. Okay, get on Zoom and tell Quinn Snyder that then. <laughs> I don't know that he can shoot the oh, 70%. I I, well, yeah, again, you randomly pick that number. Because so. we do the whole 10 possession thing. That's why I'm picking that number. And most people are figuring you make 5 out of 10, which is only 10 points. It's not worth it. If you're making 7 out of 10, it's always worth 14 points. Again, it pick, changes the math. It depends on what the score is. If you're down by 1 and you've got that shot, well, I can't take that because it's only worth 2. That's a bunch of hogwash. You know, yes, what it, the situation yes, is. is. But and it, last night, in the, the middle situation of the dictated. Quarter, what should you be doing? Yeah, well, I didn't watch right. the middle of the second quarter. I watched game. the last six, seven At the seven end minutes. of the game, you're obviously playing time. And he was awesome at that. And it is un- maybe, it, maybe it is unique to him. I happen to think it's not exclusively unique to him. It's unique to him now. I don't think it's exclusively unique to him. I think others could do it. I think Mitchell could do it just as well. Grizzly. Grizzlies get the win over the Miami Heat. Memphis has won five in a row. They are now fourth in the West. Uh, right behind the Jazz, two and a half games behind the Jazz now as they've uh, moved past the Mavericks, Clippers, and Lakers climbing in the West. Nobody wants to play them in a the first round. Let's just get that out of the way right now. <laughs> in December. <laughs> check that box. It's all done. Yach, don't let us go back to that. Make sure we never discuss we'll that again. The box has been checked. If anybody says it, henceforward, heretofore, know that I already said it. Uh, what's it, December 7th? Pearl Harbor Day. I already said it. The Bulls beat the Nuggets 109-97. Here's Zach Levine. Highlights in there. He had 32 points. DeMar DeRozan didn't play. It didn't matter. Chicago gets the win. They've won four in a row. They are second in the East. Percentage points behind the Nets and a game in front of the Bucks. The cream is rising to the top in the East. Warrior star Steph Curry said he wouldn't uh, rule out a 16-make three-pointer game tomorrow against Portland as he attempts to break Ray Allen's career record of 2,973 three-pointers. Heck, I wouldn't root out a 20. The record for his threes in a game is 14 by his teammate Clay Thompson. 16 back of the record. Lakers star LeBron James came to the defense of Frank Vogel after... uh, the Lakers coach is 
come under some scrutiny. I think criticism comes with the job. You know, Frank's a strong-minded guy. He has a great coaching staff, and we as his players have to do a better job of going out and producing on the floor. We're a team and organization that don't mind some adversity. They don't mind some people saying things about us, obviously, because it comes with the territory. So does the cash. Yeah. Uh, but yes, of course he's a strong-minded person. Speaking of Frank Vogel, he was born in New Jersey. South Jersey? Yeah. A little softer than North Jersey? Wild, established yesterday. Wildwood is uh, down by the shore. Yeah. You know, uh, Jim Morrison's girlfriend, Pam Corson, you know, she died at 27, like two years after Jim did, ironically, when Jim died at 27. And obviously they had the drug issues. And she was born in California, in, which I thought it was somewhat ironic, a, a, a town called Weed, California. Little detail on the doors there I did not know. Yeah. Weed was, I don't know if she ever did weed because I, they said she died of a her, her, heroin overdose. And it was also interesting because Jim had some issues with his parents. And so then Jim dies, she gets all the cash, and then she dies. And then Jim's parents say, wait a second here. So then they had protracted legal battles there. You read up, huh? I've always known it. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. The horn sounds and this ball game is all over. And the Florida Gators, after winning their first six games of the season, have now dropped back-to-back games as Texas Southern wins its first game of the year coming into the exact Tech Arena tonight. Our final score, the Tigers 69 and the Gators 54. A ranked SEC team. Losing to Texas Southern. Upset in college basketball. New rankings, BYU men's basketball drops from number 12 to number 24 after losing to UVU. The BYU women's program jumped up to number 16. They are unbeaten 8-0 on the season. Weaver State and UVU among those who received votes in the coaches' poll on the men's side this week. They're both off to good starts. UVU has one loss. Weaver State is undefeated 8-0, so... Some college basketball teams getting a little recognition here early in the year. Good. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Frank Dolce, his weekly visit, our Utah Insider, coming up at 8 o'clock. Tim Lacombe, jazz radio studio analyst, will join us at 8.30 right here on The Zone Sports Network. The question of the day is on the way. is unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. It is the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl from Pasadena, California. It's indescribable even now. And part of it for me, there was not a snowball's chance. Like a snowball's chance that Utah was going to go to the Rose Bowl. Or a bowl when I was at you. <laughs> a bowl. Any bowl. I mean any bowl. And and to see this happen and to watch it unfold in front of my eyes. And 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 I mean not just that game, but to see the whole entire season. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK. 
Hot Takes of Toast is brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair, it's 2021, and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text hair to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment, or visit www.utahhairmd.com. Question of the day. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Number two. Number two. Yeah. Football's number one. You got the NCAA Final Four. You got moving to the Pac-12. You got the undefeated Fiesta Bowl, BCS busting season, the Sugar Bowl season, building the new football stadium. I'm not sure what else I would put on the top ten list. But no, I would some put of them. me covering them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The ability for them to be in proximity to you and your greatness, yeah. clearly. I mean, the only guy who's been to the Final Four, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, and now this, who's not a fan. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> he was going to go either way. <laughs> I was only going to go if it was paid. I didn't have to spend a penny. Yeah. He was going to go either way. Neither did he. But he was going to go either way. Probably. <laughs> He's a fan. That's all right. Be a fan. That's fine. You want to be a fan? Be a fan. I don't care. No skin off your back. But if you got on your license plates, the Crimson Club decade of whatever the hell it then is. Then you're a fan. You're a fan. Let's just call it like it is. Okay, you can be a fan. I don't even, I'd rather know you're a fan than you try to hide you're a fan. I didn't deal with the truth. Don't try to BS me. That bothers me. So he's a fan. whoop de do. I don't care. I'm not a fan. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the athletic department's list of accomplishment? Kevin says under R for Rose Bowl. Yeah, your wife thinks you're funny, Kevin. I'll give you that. That's true. She thinks you're funny. So I would, I would run with that. Shane says it was inevitable that it was going to happen. The Pac-12 is mediocre at best. Utah beat a team that was vastly overrated. No one cares about the Pac-12 east of Colorado. Let's hope Ohio State pounds the mighty youths and teaches them what big boy football is all about. Go Cougs. I assume so. Shane's got an L.A. Dodger logo up there for his avatar. So. Oh, so he's a, a California Latter-day Saint and he moved here. Aren't you original? That's a new story. <laughs> and the Lakers come to town. <sighs> the upper bowl explodes. Uh, Bradley says it depends on if beating a bunch of Pac-12 teams is a significant accomplishment or not. You'd have to ask those folks on the committee who thought until they played Utah that they were worthy of the third spot. That's where Oregon was. Yeah. All set up. So if they thought Oregon was something, good on them. If they didn't, then, yeah, you beat a bunch of nobodies. But, I mean, you just look at Ohio State. I mean, they just creamed everybody who's somebody in that Pac-12, our Big Ten. Except they didn't. Who they beat? Michigan State? They lit up Michigan State. And they beat Penn State, depending on whether you think Penn it's State is seven somebody. and 7-5. Yeah, I know. Penn State is somebody. They're seven and five. Is Iowa somebody? I think that's whoever Pitt. the hell Penn State's quarterback is. He's seven, seven and, and five because it's only the quarterback who gets the wins. Huh? Is 
Is Ohio State going to go 10-3, and 0-2 oh against the lousy Pac-12, and 10-1 and 1 against everybody else? Oh, I, I literally pray. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Dropped your knees. And I am not a praying mantis. Uh, did you see that radio dude from Dayton? I did not. Oh, yeah, that was making the rage yesterday. You want me to read it? I've got it right here. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. I know the quote you're talking about. I didn't realize he was a quote, radio guy. I love yeah. the Rose Bowl, but I hate the tradition robs Ohio State, State of a better yeah. bowl game. Let's play Oklahoma. Ohio State versus Oregon, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Clemson. But we're stuck with Utah. Utah's good. Could be a good game, but the opponent and matchup is still underwhelming. F you. <laughs> Fetch you. Get out of town, man. Like that, that just seriously bugs me. And and it's also like if somebody in Utah, one idiot or multiple idiots, do a racist, racist act, then the whole state's racist. And we've got no problem dumping on the whole state. I know. I'm aware. Yeah. If, if 10 people do it, then every single person, including me, I'm a racist because I live in Utah. And... We just dump on Utah, and it's just socially acceptable to just dump on Utah all you want. You can do whatever. Never, n- never mind, they, they may do five trillion things. Not that one act of anything the wrong is acceptable, because it isn't. But we just go to that and project everybody. And Utah, and the sports, and, and, and it's been this way for years. The day before the NBA draft, they have breakouts. And I'm sitting right next to Van Horn. Who you know? I knew him, covered him the entire time. We both came from California the same year, right? And he's going to be the second pick because Tim Duncan was going to be the number one pick. He was the presumed second pick, which he was. They traded him, and blah blah blah. And what did he? I think he ended up playing for Jersey. Is that what it was, or Philly, vice versa, whatever it was? Um, and somebody's asking him, you know, do, do you hold a grudge that you weren't uh, recruited by the Pac-10? Because they just assumed you went to Utah. And you're a California kid, so the only reason you went to Utah is because you weren't rec- you weren't recruited by the Pac-10 at the time. And he says, "I was recruited by the Pac." And he starts naming the coaches who were in his living room, but it's just assumed that he wasn't. Yep. And they had two things: they assumed he wasn't recruited by the Pac-10, and they assumed he was Mormon because they started asking him questions about being Mormon, and he said. Well, I'm not. And you're not? Awesome. Mind's blown. What's the deal? I thought, you know, no, no. And he looks at me, he says, he says, what would you say? How much of the state is Mormon? How much of Salt? He looked at me. All of a sudden, you're Wikipedia before Wikipedia. Uh, Because I'm literally sitting, and I'm asking you no questions because I had questioned him out. Four years of questions. But you got to be there in case he says something. (laughs) Well, it's my job. Right. He might say something. Send me back there. Of course I had to be there. Yeah. But I was was reporting on the scene Mm -hmm. rather than me interviewing Keith. I interviewed him a million times at that point, right? And obviously he knew who I was. and And I'm sitting literally right next to him. So we start having a discussion. About yeah. Latter Day Saint population in in the Salt Lake area, and I'm, you know I wasn't. I'd only been living here for four years at the time, obviously, because I moved here when he was a freshman, and this at this point he was a senior, and so we're going back and forth. So all these assumptions, and Utah, it's like the fine bomb. What was it last year? Nobody wants to see, or two years ago, I guess, uh, when they were knocking on the door late in the season and of uh, uh, potentially getting it, getting the bid there. And you know, I want to see Utah in there. That just that just chaps me 
so bad. And this guy, you're a media dude. No, don't be a. You're gonna be a fan. I mean, I know I just said you want to be a fan. You did, but but don't but don't enter. You can be a fan, but don't. I don't think Fox lets it. He's a fan of the Utes. Fine, but when I watched the Tim do his work. I don't it's think, just the boy, that's a fan. Right. What's he thinking? No, it's no Twitter. you can be a fan all you want. But he says stuff, and you're not like, that's crazy. Whereas this, you're like, well, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. It's the Rose Bowl. He they can, won the conference. Fox can report yeah. on the Cougars, the Aggies, and, and you don't come away with whatever. Like, oh, man, he hates them. He's a fan. No, he just is reporting. When you're, You can be a fan, but when it's time to report in the business— I don't want your fandom, and I, I've known Dave Fox for years, at least for me. I've never felt like, well, he does an unprofessional job if it's fill-in-the-blank school, and the only professional job he does is on Utah. No, that's not true at all. He wouldn't have lasted all this time if that were the case, because for many years, and maybe even today, there's more BYU fans. So he can go do a job and be a professional while still being a fan. This guy takes fanboy stuff crosses it into the professional work. That's unprofessional, as far as I'm concerned. Can't do that. Question of the day, where does the Rose Bowl rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Bryant says the Pac-12 and the Rose Bowl isn't what it used to be. They did achieve their goal in getting there. Isn't what it's used to be. That's this yearly basis, it isn't what what it used to be. Nobody really wants to answer this question. They all just want to dismiss the question. Right. The Cougars want to belittle it. Like idiot Ute fans who want to pretend BYU is not their rival and let's diminish them to the point of non-existence. When actually having them be your rival gives you more separation, not less. Don't be logical about a rivalry, you would tell me. And now I will tell you. I'm not you. being logical. I'm being truthful. You're being both. I, but I'm, not inter- I'm only interested in the truth. I spit truth loogies. <laughs> That's disgusting. <laughs> 7.38. <laughs> That's truth what loogie I coming up. Every morning. Incoming! For 20 <sighs> years, and I think it's probably going to last about 32 years in total. Oh, really? Is that that's your number now? Yeah, You've yeah. seen the future? Well, I, I, I met with my financial guy. <laughs> <laughs> David says, it does not rank above. Here's a guy who's taking the question seriously. It does not rank above an NCAA championship game basketball appearance. And it does not rank above beating Alabama. So I'm going to say third all time. I think it does rank above the Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl... In the Superdome, I've, I've covered football and basketball in the Superdome. And when you're inside, you can't even see the outside. It's a sterile environment. Domes are weird. They now, are. Not all of them, though. Really? Yeah, because you Alamo know, Dome was weird. It was very sterile. Right. Everything you're saying about the Superdome. I agree. Yeah. And the Metrodome, I've covered <clears throat> I covered basketball. That there. was completely weird. But, you know, yeah. you go I to Allegiant. Too. I've been to Allegiant now three times. Two for games and one for a concert. And you can see outside. They're building glass into a lot of them. Minnesota's yeah. got a glass yeah, yeah, wall, and yeah, it's yeah. Say, that's a new thing. And a lot of them have retractables. Yeah. So depending on the day or the weather, like was, you can yeah. dig and open the window. Right. Or the yeah. roof, as you call it. So <laughs> The ceiling is the window. Yeah. I call it the window. 
Essentially, that's what it is. And or they have the windows. Arizona's baseball stadium has windows. In addition to the retractable. And the windows open, too. Nice. So they can they can have the thing closed, but well, then they had the that, windows open. They had open. that lightning delay in L.A. in SoFi Stadium because it's yeah. got a roof, but it's also open. The roof doesn't connect to the walls the way uh-huh. it kind of hangs above it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've seen all forts, all sorts of configurations. But the um, Alamo Dome was super sterile for the Alamo Bowl two years ago. And, and the Sugar Bowl. And come on. Uh, no. No. And, and here, you, the San Gabes, and the sun's going to reflect off the San Gabes? Come on. And the parade, the morning of. The, the Rose Bowl parade is simply the most famous parade uh, associated with football. I mean, obviously, you got the Thanksgiving parades, uh, the Macy's Day parade, which is the number one parade in the world, not just in the country, in the world. The Macy's Day parade is certainly its tradition. If you don't partake of it, you're a nincompoop. He's taking a shot at me because earlier uh, on the show, I have said many times, not earlier this morning, but earlier in previous no, years, well, I'm like, I don't get up for that no, thing. I'm like you, parades. though. I don't listen to what you say. Like, Thanks, you, Coach. Just, just yesterday, you asked the very question that I'd already asked to Nick Ford. You don't pay attention to my questions. So I don't remember ever you saying that you don't get up for whatever. I don't. I don't give a crap what you get up for. I'm not trying to convince you of truth. Truth stands alone. You can either accept it or deny it. That's your call. But the Macy's Day Parade is the best parade. That has nothing to do with whether you like parades or not. I don't give a crap whether you like parades. You can like whatever you like and dislike. That doesn't. That's it's separate. The Macy's Day Parade is the best parade. Now, associated with football, it is the Rose Bowl Parade. There is no better parade. And I have been to my Fiesta Bowl Parade in my hometown. And it's still this. So the Sugar Bowl, no. No, beating out. Alabama wasn't what they were. Ohio State is what it is. Well, if Ohio State is what it is, Ohio State fans would tell you they'd be undefeated. They can't go every year. And in a playoff. No, No one does that every year. No one, no one does that every single year. It does not happen. So, no. Ohio State is what it is. It is still a premier, one of the top two or three premier programs in the country. Michigan got them, just like BYU got Utah. It's going to end some point. Win streaks of eight <laughs> and nine games in rivalry games, yes. and you don't win them all because yes. nobody so, does. So they got them this year. Good on Michigan. Front-running Yak wearing a Michigan shirt today. <laughs> Go blue. Haven't so, seen that thing all of a sudden. I wore my Michigan shirt to work out yesterday, funny enough. Uh, so they got them. But that, doesn't, that does not take away from anything from Ohio State. So Ohio State fans would not tell you that. They would tell you they got us this year. We've gotten them 9 out of 10, just the way the Utes have gotten the Cougars, 9 out of 10. It's going to happen. ASU has a five-game winning streak over Arizona. It's not going to reach 10. It just doesn't. That's not the way it works in rivalries. When it's your, you know, if it's a secondary rivalry, Army or, excuse me, Navy and Notre Dame or something, yeah, okay. But not the primary rivalry. It just, it just isn't. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the athletic department's list of accomplishments? The Utes have done some cool stuff. Where do you put this one? And some people just can't help themselves. 
Gray says, Utah's played 24 bowl games and won 17. BYU's played in 38, not too shabby, but they've only won 16 of them. Great, that's not the question. <laughs> People just want to turn everything into debating the rivalry. Let's compare all-time bowl records. The question was, where does this rank on the Utes list of accomplishments? Yeah. Let's compare schools' bowl records. I think bowl records used to mean something, but not anymore. Like we just said, Thibodeau's out. The Devils are going to play Wisconsin in the Vegas Bowl. Their leading rusher is gone, and their second leading rusher is gone. <laughs> well, it's, even, it's even over team. the course, right, even over the course of Lavelle's career, it changed. It went from playing bowl games, and his bowl record was really bad early on. He won some later. He changed some things. He didn't play as many top 10 and top 15 teams. That used to be the only people going to bowl games. Now there's 40 bowl games. Hey, we're top 70. We're in a bowl game. We're 6-6. Six and six. Ah, uh, yeah, but I, I, I think your level of bowl is usually commensurate to the opponent's level of bowl. So it's not like you're 6-5 and five and you're getting an 11-0 and zero team. And I realize the Cougars did that against Michigan. Uh, but in t- today's world, it, it, it's even, usually. You're playing a team of a similar season. But guys opting out, it just doesn't matter. Some of them do. And I think Utah in the Rose Bowl, this will be their crowning achievement as a football program because Ohio State is what it is. There's no excuses. Yeah, they lost the game. The Oregon game doesn't matter that they lost because I don't think they would go anyway. They lost to Michigan. I think the Big Ten was only getting one team in, and it was Michigan because Michigan got you. So that was it. So the way I look at it, that's a one-loss Ohio State team. And come on. You beat these guys. There's no yeah buts. And they got a bunch of young dudes. Oh, who did I hear? I, somebody. Oh, Brock Eward. He does a show, uh, a college. They do it on one of the states, Channel 80, on the, on the serious thing. Just He was cringing for Utah. Naming all those young DBs, having to guard Olavi and those guys. Yeah. They can't do it. The youth secondary won't be able to handle Ohio State's three-star So I'm receivers. ready to give Brock Hewitt the finger. <laughs> Brock, you're ranked number one. I didn't say that one. <laughs> you didn't have to. It was implied. Because <laughs> I listened to him yesterday, and he was going, uh, he's like cringing. They made a lot of big plays. Oregon beat them in a high-scoring game. Michigan beat them on a day that was less than ideal to throw the ball. But with the San Gabriels, or as you like to say, the San Gabes, yeah, the shimmering San in the background, oh. it'll probably be an awesome day for throwing the ball. Of course it will. God shines upon that bowl game every single year. DJ and PK, Frank Dolce, Ute Insider, coming up in about 15 minutes right here on The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Fresh off a upset victory over BYU, in which UVU got the 72-65 victory in overtime. Mark Matson, head coach at UVU. This win and, and this moment, where does it rank? Well, I just think it was a special moment for our players to be able to play in front of their families, their parents. A packed UCCU center. The student body of UVU, which was just, they rushed the court. Pandemonium was breaking loose after the game. The joy could be felt in the arena. And, and so it was special in that sense. And for me personally, you know, my wife and 
and daughter were up there. My, you know, my daughter's four months old, and her bedtime is 6.30 p.m., but Hannah, my wife, decided to bring her. And so just to be able to share that with my wife and daughter meant a lot for me personally as well. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Guys, Minky Couture wants to help you out this holiday season with the perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Get in today, save 50%, and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. PK, I'm looking at a story right now. Who's it from? CBSSports.com. There are many out there. A quick Google will land you a bunch of lists of potential replacements. For Mario Cristobal, who has left Oregon to go to his alma mater and coach at Miami and get a gazillion dollars. Mostly West Coast, or at least Western side of the country, uh, coaches are mentioned. Two Pac-12 guys. Justin Wilcox at Cal, Chip Kelly at UCLA, and Kalani Sataki at BYU. Brian Harson, who was at Boise State and went to Auburn, only one year, Auburn, 6-6, six and six, blew the late lead against Alabama. Would he be willing to go to Oregon? There's lots of speculation he would, that when he was at Boise State, he's had his eyes on the Oregon and Washington jobs. Uh, there are other guys, some of the usual he's suspects. He's an anti-vaxxer, though. I mean, come on. And Portland and Oregon, they're progressive. Dave Aranda at Baylor. Uh, is getting mentioned for everything. Matt Campbell at Iowa State is getting mentioned the for everything. Usuals. Exactly. So we can go on down the list. It's like Majerus when Chico State came open, or Kentucky and everything in between. The Warriors. Yeah. Rick, San Diego State. Rick Buecher on a Saturday night. He's taking the job. I'm going with it. Okay. You do that. Meanwhile, I'm going to bed. <laughs> San Jose State press release was already written. And never <laughs> issued. It's like a collector's item. That should be framed on a wall somewhere. Uh, I remember the first couple years on the beat, man, with, at the Watchdog. I would chase that down just like my life depended on it. Because everybody told me I sucked as a writer, including the people at the Tribune. So I figured I better make my mark as a reporter because somebody decided I wasn't a good enough writer. I was never a senior writer. Even today, I'm still not a senior writer. Well, you got leverage now. You should go demand that. No, I've never made demands. You'd, you'd rather complain I'm, about I'm it anyway. Complain. If you view joking about it as a complaint, that's your call. You could be wrong. I'd agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. Uh, and you haven't used that line in a long time. That was a good one. I know. It's also accurate. And after a while, I gave up chasing that nonsense. Uh, and he never left until he found out his contract wasn't going to be extended, and then he left. Um, but I think Kalani's right there in the mix, yeah. I heard this two weeks ago, that this Cristobal thing was going down, and Kalani was going to be in the mix. I can show you the text if you don't believe it. Uh, and he is. He has been contacted. The assistants are aware of it. This is not a mystery. I would imagine strongly Tom Homo is aware of it. And Tom said on the BYU Sports Nation yesterday that, you know, they're going about trying to get these things done. I I think they're in a precarious situation here. And it's not just giving Kalani more money. It's better funding the program 
A through Z. Because I've had guys down there already tell me that they're concerned about making the transition into the Big 12, and if they're going to be underfunded, it's going to be that much more difficult to make that transition. Because this is a competitive conference. And any idiot who doesn't think it is, you're an idiot. Hence, that's why I called you an idiot. Because it is going to be a very good football conference. Oklahoma, goodbye. Texas, you sucked for years. Or mediocre for years. But by Texas standards, you sucked. Yeah, when you got their money and their rep, if you're mediocre, you're Losing Texas is no big deal in football. And we saw what Baylor did. Oklahoma State has been solid many years. Mm -hmm. And then you're adding Cincinnati and UCF UCF. and Houston was very good this year. So and BYU is twenty one and three, and you're adding these programs. So your conference is going to be just fine. It is not going to be reduced to some has been conference. I can make a strong point, even as it pains me to say it, that they're as good or be better than the Pac twelve. Certainly, they will in any given year. I mean, but now we got Lincoln Riley. So I mean, geez, I mean, the world has changed dramatically. Lincoln Riley's coming. Oh my gosh. I'm suspecting he might lose a game, maybe two or three in the next 40 years. Uh, no more than that. Uh, so we'll see. Lincoln Riley. But BYU, they need to fund the program. And plus two, there's no identifiable candidate out there. If Jay Hill were to say no, and I don't even know if they'd want him, but if he were to say no, who do you got? Scally? Those seem like the two obvious names at the top of the list. Anybody off of uh, Bronco staff? Well, I think Anai sort of aged out, and he's not exactly warm and fuzzy. No one, Nick Howell. You, you didn't say that on the air, did you? Oh, I did. Oh. Well, I don't even think that's a consideration. I'm just saying. It's, that's a no. <laughs> I would go with Thurston Howell. <laughs> Why didn't you just go with Lovey at that point? Lovey. Lovey Smith? Lovey Howell. No, I would take Ginger. The sex Marianne. appeal. Ah, the down-home nature of that. We should have that show one of these days. Ginger or Marianne. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> That's for the summer after the NBA free agency. So there's all down. these questions out there, man. They have got to get it done. But if, if Oregon is determined to get them, they're just going to outbid you. As I've been told, it's going to be an interesting week. There is no limit to the amount of money that they will throw at their top choice. Uh, to a degree. Now, you're speaking BYU, of course. I'm not speaking BYU. <laughs> I'm speaking Oregon. <laughs> but it was funny is that I'm getting this stuff, and then it's going to be an interesting week. And I'm like, okay, then I go fishing for more, and I got cut off. That was it. Hey, I'm giving you all I'm giving you, buddy. That's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> You've got your quota. <laughs> okay. I can, exp- I can respect go that. Go do your little show. I can respect that. You're right. That's plenty good enough. And then the thing came out last night. Harmon tweeted it out. I know where he got it because the guy called me later. Hey, I, talk, I, I texted you earlier. You just didn't get back to me. So I wanted it out there. So then I went to him. And that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, that, that's good. Dick, Dick Harmon is a reliable, <laughs> credible source. And so he can put that out there. I, I'm not going to break news on Twitter. Uh, Jake Scott had a, had a thing I think that was profound. He says, if you break news on Twitter, why would anybody listen to your show? Is it going to last until your show? I mean, that's why some people break stuff on Twitter. No, they want to break. No, they break stuff on Twitter. So it's look at me. That's why they do that. 
That too. That's Absolutely. The, that's the number one reason why they do it. But the reason for you to break it on Twitter was it wasn't going to last until your show. In this specific instance. I don't understand, actually. Well, well what? because you weren't going to break that news on this show. Because they were going to text it to somebody else. Turns out it was Dick Harmon. And he was going to tweet it out. That's fine. I don't, I'm not interested in being first. I don't, I, do I get more money for being first? I know what I know. And... This is going to be an interesting situation. I don't know that he's going to take it because I'm not reporting that. I don't know that he's going to be offered it because I'm not reporting that. But it's all in the mix. Frank Dolce, Ute Insider, analyst for the Zone Sports Network. We will ask him the question of the day next. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? We will get to that next. Stay with us. PK 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to bring in Frank Dolce, our Utah insider. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art. Smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Frank, good morning. Good morning, DJ. Good morning, PK. Oh, Frankie. Rose Bowl, Frankie. Yeah, how about that? Going to the Rose Bowl, everybody. Don't you want to go, go? Is that an original? Ah, it's kind of a takeoff. A little bit of yeah. like a little Weird Al Yankovic. I changed the lyrics a little bit. <laughs> From going what to happened a, to that guy? Going to go, what go, happened go. to Weird Al Yankovic? He's probably on a beach somewhere with all that money he made. Yep. <laughs> How could you? I mean, when you when he was growing up, did you think I'm gonna I'm gonna write these ridiculous songs, you know, based on real songs, and I'm gonna make a billion dollars in a bathroom at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, or as PK likes to call it, Cal Poly SOL. <laughs> is San is San Luis Obispo? There, what is their mascot? They're not the banana slugs, are they? No, no that's, that's you see Santa Cruz. Cruz. They're the Mustangs. Oh, that's Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah the Mustangs. <laughs> the what? The Mustangs. Oh, the Mustangs. That's not very unique. I mean, go Mustangs, I guess. But <laughs> yeah. Well, who who would have thought? PK. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. Colonel Sanders didn't get started until, do you know this? Do you know the answer to this? Um, he didn't get started until he was what age? 61. 65. Ah, I wow. knew he was in his 60s. There's a, so, there's a plaque on the KFC at 39th and State Street because that was yeah, his first store. The original. Yeah. With, with the Harmons. But, PK, that gives you a few years to get yeah, your oh, music career going. Uh, yeah, you know? I mean, I've had a few hits here and there. Yeah. You know, but, but going to the Rose Bowl, I, I everybody, it. don't you want to go, go? An instant classic, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> We're going to the Rose Bowl, Frank. Dreams come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, isn't that the truth? I mean, I I grew up a Pac-10 fan. Me too. Uh, DJ kind too. Kind of in between. <laughs> yeah, in between, living in between UCLA and USC. And uh, so the Rose Bowl was always the, that that was the pinnacle of bowl season. And things have changed quite a bit. But I still consider the the Rose Bowl the granddaddy of them all. 
Well, when you think about it, it's the best bowl that you can earn your way into. Doesn't require a committee. I I don't know about this committee. In fact, I I am down on the I'm down on the committee and the way they put the top four teams. I thought that was just. I mean, it was just like, hey, you know, SEC, let's have another all SEC championship game. Let's just devise that. I thought they could have split it up much better to give Cincinnati and Michigan a fair shot at getting into that game. And I, I think they don't – it's not like they don't have a fair shot, but it feels like it's heavily weighted toward the SEC. Well, that's because they got two. Of the, that's because they got two of the four teams in, and let's be honest, they did not want a rematch of the SEC title game in the semifinal. That's what they were trying to avoid. I did. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> yeah, I think most they were afraid most viewers didn't. And as PK has pointed out, it is a TV show, and I think that was the number one thing. They either had to move Alabama to number one, or they had to do- drop oh. Georgia to number four because they did not want to put them two three, which would have made a certain amount of logic. But they didn't want to do it because they didn't want that semifinal again. What is more cringy, the the CFP committee or today's politician? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Why are you limited to today's politicians? <laughs> politicians. You, you want tomorrow's? I'll take today's. <laughs> no. I was thinking yesterday's. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know stories about Holy. LBJ going to the bathroom right. off the Oval Office with the door open while he's talking to AIDS. Like, dude, come on. Close the door. Well, hey, that's nothing that Rick Majerus didn't do as well. So I mean, let's <laughs> let's be honest here. Those that's, that occurred. Wait, you're saying right Majerus went to the bathroom in a bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> he, I don't know. He was in that pool very regularly. <laughs> you never know. Question of the day, Frank. Where does the Rose Bowl yes, rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think may, maybe the easy answer to say number it's number one, but I, I don't know that it's number one. It's certainly the top three, but I think you could make arguments for for those for those three bowl appearances. You know the, and I heard, I think it was I think it was uh, PK saying yesterday. Everybody thinks everybody thinks <laughs> Boise State was the original BCS buster, which yeah. is not true. Right. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, that one, you have to put that up there because that was an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, and then, uh, of course, the Sugar Bowl and beating uh, beating Nick Saban's Alabama and handily beating Nick Saban's Alabama in, in New Orleans. I mean, that has to be up there. You're and s- then, of course, the Rose Bowl. You're I mean, such a do, football fan, Frank. What about the NCAA basketball tournament going to the 1998 NCAA final? Oh wait, wait, wait! I thought I'm sorry. I thought you were just talking football. No, nope. on the athletic department's list of accomplishments, you can go anywhere you want in the Utah athletic department to find an accomplishment. The ski team, ski the team, ski team wins national championships. Like you know, they go into Mrs. Fields and buy cookies. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the, the ski now team just goes out. Funny and you should mention that. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> we'll save that for the and, end. We'll come back to the end. And, but well, go ahead uh, okay. with your thought. And 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 listen, uh, I I mean the gymnastics team has a has a very long uh, history of winning national championships. Not so much recently, but you know in the history of the 
of the program. That the uh, the heydays of of Rick Majerus and the basketball program and some of those great teams all all certainly rank um, up there. I I don't know. I in in relation to all of those. Wow, I I put the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl has to be a top five accomplishment in, if you're considering all of Utah athletics. Um, it, you know the, the success that they've had. I'll tell you why it's number one. Program. I'll tell you why it's okay. number one for me. Is you look at the Rose Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, those were in the Mountain West, mm-hmm. and when Majerus went to the NCAA final. He immediately said, because people were expecting him to get back and all that stuff, and he had built a power at that point, but he immediately said, we're no closer to Southern California. We're still out in the middle of nowhere with a foot of snow. And he was right. So mm-hmm. you were going to have circumstances. You know, you're going to need a prop kid in Andre Miller. You're going to need an under-recruited kid in Doliac, who ends up, both of those kids end up playing in the NBA. And you were going to need BYU to suck, so all the local LDS kids... Didn't want to go there. They wanted to plan a winning program. So you're going to get Alex Jensen and the Johnsons and so forth, right? So all those things had to transpire. And it's like with Christobiak, you needed a foreign kid in Pirtle, and then you needed a JC kid in DeLon Wright. And that's how you built your NCAA appearances. But that's not the way to build year in and year out success. And here, the Fiesta Bowl and the Roll and the Sugar Bowl were awesome, but they were done largely with Mountain West kids, underdeveloped, under recruited, and then they became developed when they got to the U. Eric Weddle being an example, all that stuff. Now, all that, all those circumstances, they're gone. This is the Pac-12 that you're in now, and Lincoln Riley going there brings the Pac-12 publicity. Not notoriety, because notoriety is built off of notorious, which is a negative. People misuse that word all the time. And and Klavkov down there was talking about it. it. This helps the conference, and it certainly does. It was the buzz when it came out, what, last Sunday, whenever it was, mm-hmm. that it, mm-hmm. he's going to the Pac-12. So you don't need to get flukes. You could send out your team of recruiters, which they're doing as we speak this week, and now you could go into any place anywhere and they know who the U of U is and they know that's a program that has done nothing but winning here recently and puts a large amount of guys into the NFL and you can get a degree if you're so inclined to get a degree and hopefully they are if they stay long enough so that's why to me the Rose Bowl is the number one accomplishment in athletic history because it has far greater staying power and the impact goes well beyond January 1, 2022. They now can bring in a host of studs, and they can get studs now, and we're not going to look at it and say, wow. Plus, they also all have the ability to look at Joe Blow and see, okay, he was a uh, a running back in high school, and we're going to make him an NFL linebacker, whatever it might be. We know the stories, mm-hmm. how they've done that. So that's why I put the Rose Bowl number one, because there's no yeah buts, and there's no, well, that was an exception. Nope. This has big-time staying power, and they can cash in on it and cash in in a way that they couldn't cash in on all those other great accomplishments. I think you make a terrific argument 
uh, for for the Rose Bowl. Which is what I do. <laughs> it's what you do and sing about it. It 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 is a it it is an unbelievable accomplishment. Uh, and I, I I don't want to diminish all the other teams in terms of staying power uh, for Utah. I I said recently that I think Utah's kind of prime to be a dominant figure in in the Pac-12. And and uh, you know even with even with Lincoln Riley, I you know everything indicates that he'll turn that program around. But we'll see. You you never know. But but even with Lincoln Riley there and what should be a reemergence of USC, which I think the conference needs, I I, I don't know. That it just doesn't feel like uh, as a conference overall until that hiring of Lincoln Riley, I guess that the conference was really that interested in winning football championships and and you have all the other issues that the conference is dealing with and trying to manage and focused on and and i felt like well utah has everything solidified you know a coach who understands the game uh has has like you said been successful at a, a very high level for a very long time with maybe not all of the resources that other programs have available and and now a president in Taylor Randall who understands the role that athletics and football plays in, within the university, uh, and I think as someone who is willing to 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 give resources to the athletics programs and the football programs. So, I, I feels like within this conference and with with Coach Whittingham at the head uh, and with the administration in place, that Utah is is in a really in a really good place, and this certainly helps solidify that the, the football program uh, I'm but I'm you know I'm curious to see if uh, if USC gets rolling if UCLA kind of gets it figured out I, Colorado seems like a disaster I don't know what's happening with the Arizona schools they seem a few years off the, the next Oregon hire is going to be critical for the conference Um We'll see what happens at I mean, Washington. These are teams that, that in the past several years have been kind of the leaders in the Pac-12, and they just fell off. Like, uh, I, I, nothing against Oregon this year, but I thought Oregon should have taken a loss prior to playing Utah, another loss. I, I, don't, I don't think they should have been a one-loss team coming into that game. I thought they were kind of hanging on the cliff's edge for most of the year. So. So we'll see if 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 Oregon can get things rolling again, if Washington can can get things rolling, in, and they should. USC, UCLA, uh, Oregon State looks like it's on an uptick. You know, maybe the conference gets itself back into prominence. But right now, I don't think it's a, a great conference. Well, part of that is, and and they're doing it under different. Uh, circumstances, but Oregon, Washington, and USC, for most of my life, most of our lives, those have been the big three. UCLA did have mm-hmm. a run in the 80s, but those have been the big three. Other teams have broken through, Washington State a couple of times, ASU a couple of times, but those are the three that have had runs and really done things. I guess Stanford did win there three and four or five years. Yeah. But Washington, Oregon, and USC have been it for 40, 50, 60 years mostly. And they're all hiring new coaches in the same year. Now, one had them hired away. One had them hired away. But the other two did not like how things were going. They were way down. 
You know, what yeah. What league can have its three biggest brands down? The Big 12, the Texas brand was down, but the Oklahoma brand wasn't. You know, yeah. and Ohio State, Michigan, uh Penn State, Michigan State, Wisconsin, the Big Ten's had a lot of brands. Alabama's always been good in the SEC, and then LSU and Auburn and Florida and Georgia take their turns. So it, that's why people look at the Pac-12. You've got three biggest brands, and two of the three are really struggling. Don't you think that's a reason that uh, Lincoln Riley took that? I mean, I, I mean, USC certainly has its tradition, but... Don't you think that's a, a big factor for Lincoln Riley taking that job at USC? I mean, he I, I tweeted that out, and you I tweeted that out, and you'd fans went nuts. But it seems obvious to me if he wanted to be in the SEC, he would be in the SEC. Yeah, he would stay at yeah. Oklahoma. He went to yeah. USC. Like, it's an easier path. They're giving him a ton of money, and he's got a yeah. lot of athletes in the backyard. And coming off fifty-five and ten, he thinks he can do better than everybody has done at USC the last decade. And he probably thinks that he can be. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe he thinks he can be Pete Carroll. Maybe, but he he certainly can f- figure out. Like, if I'm looking at the pathway to the playoffs currently, and I know that's going to change here quickly, but uh, going through the Pac-12 um, seems like a better path than going through the SEC at this at this moment. So I know. I don't we, think there's any. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I just don't think there's any question that that was a factor in his decision. I know we got to go, but you said Mrs. Fields and laughed because I said Mrs. Fields to PK yesterday and got a laugh because he was telling me an outrageous story. PK, you have to share this story with Frank. He's going to find this entertaining. Yeah, so I'm in Vegas last week, and uh, the day of the game was on Friday. I didn't have anything to eat uh, that day. And I was going to wait and go get him the meal at the at the game, but there was a right at, we were staying at the Palms Place off of uh, Flamingo, and there was a place across the street, and it said cookies, right? So I thought, well, I'll go over there and get a cookie. So it's a nice day too; it was seventy degrees. So I walk over there, gonna be out in the sun a little bit, and uh, as I'm walking into the store, these two guys pull up, and they go to, to go into the store. And the guy comes out, a security guard, and he's got a uh, one of those metal detector things. And the guy's like the wand you see at the airport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the guys yeah, sure. hold out their arms, spread out their legs, and he does it on both both the guys. And then they got to show them their IDs. And I'm thinking, wait a second, what? I just want a cookie. I don't want to get frisked. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Unbeknownst to me, and my Utah naivete, the place was, whatever the place was called, it had a name, I forget. So I get on my phone, and I uh, Google it to see what is going on. You know, I don't want to walk into a strip club or something here, and uh, which is what I thought, but it looked like a cookie shop. Well, it turns out that all the cookies <laughs> that they had in there had one common ingredient, <laughs> and that would be marijuana. <laughs> oh. Remember that last time you went into Mrs. Fields and you got wanted on your way in? Yes. Oh. I was with macadamia nut uh, cookies. you got to be wanted in, in Mrs. Fields. And this is like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, too. And I'm thinking, wait, something's off here. And not more than 20 yards to the west was a store that said marijuana dispensary. And so I knew what that was. And while I was there, the entire time, and I got there Wednesday, 
The entire time I smelled marijuana. The entire time. So, so how was the cookie? I didn't get one. <laughs> I did not go in the store. Did you? Did you go for the white chocolate macadamia Maui Wowie? <laughs> I did not realize that there was such a place. I was looking for your basic chocolate chip cookie, just to have as a snack before I started to go over to the stadium. Yeah, I think I think we should start a new. I mean, I don't know if Mrs. Fields even exists anymore, but I think we could bring it back, and we could have you know the regular. The PK Mrs. Fields, which is the regular, and then the then the Mrs. Fields enhanced, and then <laughs> yeah. you, you know you go into the enhanced store, and maybe you end up with a, a, some a cookie that's a little different. It reminded you know? me of a time our first year in my marriage, and I've been married a long time now. My wife and I were in the Caribbean, and we're going to take a catamaran from uh, St. Thomas over to St. John's, and it was eight eight o'clock in the morning, and you pay for it, and they feed you on there. Well, we get down there, and they've got a continental breakfast, uh, some juice and rolls and stuff. Well, I figured I paid for it, and we already discussed this earlier this morning. I paid for it, so I'm going to have a whole bunch of uh, juice and rolls, right? Well, after about my fourth swig of my juice, my wife takes a sip. She says, um, I don't think this is strictly orange juice. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm like, dancing. This is the best orange juice I've ever had in my life. It's so fresh. <laughs> I thought it was the Caribbean, man. This tastes great. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, when in the Caribbean, you know. And it's 8.15 in the morning, and I threw down four of these things before she told me this isn't just juice buddy yeah and you're over there thinking i hope she doesn't figure out this isn't just juice no i honestly did not know that it was not just juice and i'm the naive sportscaster with a degree from marshall falk but see when i grew up i i drank beer i'll be the first to admit but i never drank hard liquor so i had no No idea idea. what it Tastes like you weren't living the mimosa life in New Jersey, baby. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. Hey, before I before I let you go, or I guess it's the other way around, uh, PK. I had one more thought on your, which may sway me as into this is the best accomplishment for Utah athletics. Financially, doesn't this game mean more to the athletics program than than lots of those other uh, accomplishments? Utah's had in the past? Not just in the payouts, but in everything else. Yeah. Because the last time I gave, I, the ASU would used to call me. I got I, I lost my landline now. I got rid of it, so they can't get me. But they would call me, and I'd say, hey, you go to the Rose Bowl, I'll date, I'll donate 25 bucks every year you go to the Rose Bowl. So I've donated a total of 50 bucks to my alma mater. Wow. Well. So all the other, it's untold amounts of money that, that this, this thing will bring in. Yeah, no, no question about it. I think that financial aspect is something we we didn't mention. So that is absolutely we'll have to consider that. But yeah, go you. Such an un, unbelievable accomplishment, and I couldn't be happier for uh, for Coach Whittingham. I mean, that that's just a guy that uh, under difficult circumstances held this program together and put him right in this spot to to accomplish this. Frank, we appreciate it. Mrs. Fields has one location left in Utah. If you're up in Layton, go to the mall. <laughs> I'll go check it they out. They got like 40 in California, though, so when you go home, there's plenty of places. Uh, you can stop on your way home and take care of yourself there. Is it still there? 
Are oh, they yeah, they got there? tons of locations, but they got one in Utah. Wow. But they got locations. Yeah. yeah, go to the website and help yourself out. All yeah, right. Once upon a time, that was They the, were everywhere, oh, man. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. All right, guys. Great to talk to you. Have a great week. Thanks, Frank. Frank Dolce, our Utah football insider. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst, coming up next. It's official. The Utes are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the Utes to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Jazz Radio Studio Analyst joins us now. And he joins us on the Smart Rain Guest Line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Tim, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How are you? I'm splendid, man. How are you? Good. How's your How's your sidekick? Who the hell would that be? Jake or Yock? I don't know. Have You're an the answer. boss. When <laughs> I re- when I say boss, that's when you come in. I'm here. I'm well. Until then, you you stay quiet. Okay. How's the boss? Who would that be? Who? <laughs> <laughs> We's all fine. Good. So before we get to the Jazz, Tim Lacombe, once upon a time, you worked at the University of Utah. And then once upon a later time, you worked at BYU. And we have both Utah and Cougar questions for you this morning. But first, the Cougar question. Oregon, Kalani's name is in a, uh, on a fairly uh, short list of contenders. There is serious interest, real interest there, not just some, hey, let's put 30 names on a list. and You, you can narrow it down. If you're a Cougar fan, and I know you are, how worried should Cougar fan be? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, I don't know the word is the right word. I think... Uh, concerned? Concerned, yeah. Worries a little more... That's kind of what PK does. He worries. You and I, we, we have concern. Um, no, I think it's real. I think, you know, and Oregon's a place that, for a lot of different reasons, the majority of them, the color green, um, uniform and green backs, I think are the, the main reason. But, no, I, I think in what Kalani does and the the – guys he can recruit and everything else would be really enticing um you know i think you couple that with what you know i heard a little clip of tom homo yesterday talking about kalani being their coach and you know them 
making sure that they're out in front of things. So it'll be interesting for sure. Um, but the one thing I can tell you, knowing the situation pretty closely, is A, uh, Kalani loves BYU. You know, he loves being there. He he really does kind of see himself as a guy who, you know, brought up through by Lavelle and, and kind of carrying the torch. So it, it would have to be really, really good, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons for, for Kalani to go. But um, I certainly as I should have everybody's attention because I think, it, like you said, it's not just, you know, I think it's real, right? I think he's one of a couple of names that really makes sense. Yeah, I think that absolutely it does. I think there's there's multiple reasons why he would consider and then take the job. I don't know if he'll get offered, but just for the sake of argument, and it would be that, uh, you know, they just fund the program better. They fund the assistants better. And here it's at, at BYU, it's it's almost like assumed, well, an assistant gets a higher-paying job offer, he's gone, and we don't even bat an eyelash. And that, that's not the case at other places. And the, the program, the, the staff, which includes on-the-field coaches and other guys in other administrative positions, that they're concerned about the program being funded adequately enough to compete at the level that they're going to compete in in the Big 12. So... What level of confidence do you have in BYU uh, wanting to compete at the level that they need to compete at financially once they go to the Big 12? Because it's going to be a difficult transition uh, just on the field, and then it's going to be made more difficult if it's not funded adequately. Yeah, I think there's going to have to be a a look at how things are done that way. Um, You know, I can only speak from experience with with you know, when, when our staff had the ability uh, kind of in a similar time after the Jimmer year, uh, you know, Coach Rose got a couple of major schools offering jobs um, and for considerable considerable raise for everybody. Um, I mean, I think we could have probably gotten a raise for, uh, you know, and, and perhaps a hired somebody to park our cars if we wanted to at the place we were going. Um, so it, it was pretty incredible what, what the offers looked like. Um, but, you know, I think Coach Rose took that as an opportunity to try to leverage some positive stuff for the program. And he took the tack that, hey, we'd love you to build a facility here, um, you know, that we could have on campus because at that point we were still – getting kicked out of the the PE gyms and stuff when we try to get extra shots up. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I, it's got to be looked at and it's got to be, it, it's got to be differentiated when they take that step. Um, you know, they've, they've made a transition to independence and they had to do a lot of different things differently. And yeah, they've got to get, they've got to get into this day and age where, um, you know, coaches are appreciated and paid what they're supposed to be paid. I mean, I I spent 12 years at BYU, and I think I made about a fifth of what my colleagues made up north. So I think that has to be something that you take into account. All right, now we need the Ute portion of your career. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the Utah Athletic Department's list of accomplishments? Man, it's really awesome. Um, you know, for because I'm a basketball person, I would imagine that, you know, the national championships and 
both the me uh, and I NCAA uh, the the final four that Coach Majerus went to um, the Sugar Bowl has to be up there certainly a lot of I mean women's gymnastic national championships are huge uh, for the school and created quite a following but this one you know it, coming right now on the heels of everything that the program's been through you know I really do think that. Um, I think it was Ben Anderson that tweeted out that uh, Kyle really should be studied for a master class in leadership after this year, dealing with everything he dealt with, um, continuing to keep that thing plugging along. And, you know, it was on the field stuff and it was off the field stuff. And, you know, that stuff can get away from you really quickly. And then, you know, you lose to BYU, the thing could have really tumbled. So, I think it's massive. I mean, everybody, every Utah fan I, that I talk to, I mean, they're, they're making their way to Pasadena. They understand the magnitude of this. And, um, you know, I, I think it's an awesome, awesome thing for for the university, you know, to be able to take part in the granddaddy of them all. I mean, we've all been watching it as long as we've lived. And so it's, it's really cool that, you know, what was it, 10, 12 years ago, the Pac-12 came calling and, Utah negotiated their way through all that. Uh, everybody kind of wondered, will they ever be a player? And now they're they're playing in the Rose Bowl. So, kudos, major kudos to Kyle Whittingham, one of my favorite people, uh, and and his staff for what they got done, and all those players for hanging together. Yep, well said, absolutely. Turning to the Jazz, uh, sort of uh, riding the ship, but I don't know that this ship needed to be righted. I don't know that righted is a word, but you get the point. Uh, as far as, you know, the little mini slump that they went through. Uh, I sort of uh, looked at it and thought, oh, man, these are dis- they're concerning losses. I didn't worry about them, using your words. I, I had them, I was concerned about them, and they were disconcerting. But at the same time, I'm not overly concerned because I think talent in this league wins, and over the course of the season, the regular season anyway, they'll be exactly where they're supposed to be. You guys see the Cleveland game or see pieces of the Cleveland game on uh, Sunday afternoon? Watched it, rewatched it, and then watched it again. Okay, so you've got it broken down. Mm-hmm. Um, I said prior to the, the Cleveland game, I thought the Boston game was probably as good as the Jazz have played. Um, and everybody, you know, hey, they gave up 130 points. Well, the offenses that night were both unbelievably good. Um but I'm telling you, that Cleveland game really turned my head. I, I grabbed the the prep film, getting ready to watch. Cleveland, if you haven't watched them, I know you have three times, PK. But for those that haven't, I think that they may be one of the best teams in the league you haven't seen or heard of. And, and two guys stand out off their film, uh, Jared Allen, who is just really starting to, you know, come into his own and understand the league and he's starting to dominate. And then Darius Garland, who I think is going to be a, he'll be a perennial all-star. But that was a really hard game. Sunday afternoon, I thought the Jazz uh, weathered a few storms. They got down, you know, and had to make a push to win the game late. Um, I thought that the, you know, the ball movement again was terrific. In the last four games, the Jazz have made uh, 19, 20, 27, and 23s. Um, and so 
you know, early in the year, threes weren't falling, but they're finding different ways to still be good offensively, still be the number one team in the league offensively, shooting, you know, 30% from three. That number's quickly gone up to 36, and so is their offensive rating, which is uh, way ahead of, I mean, five or six points ahead of the second-place team, Golden State. So things are really starting to click for this team. Um, I'm starting to see that maybe even some of the frustrations early in the season individually are kind of going away. I see Donovan Mitchell smiling a lot out on the floor, which I like. Um, Rudy Gobert did not score in the first half and still had a major, major productive game, blocking shots, rebounding the ball at 20 rebounds. So little things that the team just kind of had to figure out how to learn. They're kind of starting to learn. Um, I've said all along, if they start making shots, look out. And I made the comment to Jake Sunday afternoon as things were really rolling against Cleveland, who was putting up a great effort. This is the type of team right here that could make it to the finals. You know, if they play like this, if everybody's playing for everybody else and the effort's there and they have the ability to shoot the ball like they're shooting it, like they've got they've got it what they need built there. So really exciting things going on with the Jazz right now. As good as they are, and they look they look good, and they look like they can be very good. How big is the gap between them and the Suns and them and the Warriors? Well, I want to see them play. Um, you know, I think that's what's beautiful about the NBA right now. It's another reason I think Cleveland's for real. I looked at their strength of schedule, and it's number six. Um, everybody's playing, you know, different schedules and playing different people, and some teams you haven't seen yet. Um, and really, those those come, it comes down. I, I think they're both really, really good. I think they're both going to be tough matchups for the Jazz. But I also believe that the Jazz are better for, you know, their offseason. Rudy Gay came in last game with no Hassan Whiteside. And he played that hybrid five to perfection. And so I, I think, you know, you, you think of last year and the Jazz and Phoenix and kind of Phoenix had our number. Um, Golden State certainly is playing great basketball and Steph Curry's one of the greatest guys to ever shoot the basketball in history. But until they match up and we see, um, I don't really know you know, what the difference is between them. I know a couple games here and there. Uh, but I, I really like where this Jazz team is, and I'm really excited to see when those when they play the te- those two teams because they, you know that'll give me a better idea of, of how they sit. So DJ doesn't think Donovan Mitchell is as good as Chris Paul. I do. What's your reaction? Right, like right this second. Yeah. Shocking, but I mean that's what he thinks. So I mean. And he's a basketball guy, as you know. Well, they're different players. I mean, it's kind of like people say, do you like DJ and PK? Well, I like them, but I like them for different reasons, you know. Um, your, mistake, your mistake in answering this question was taking him seriously. <laughs> you screwed up. <laughs> we want no, to see if you take the bait. I'm doing, it, I'm doing it a different way. I, okay. I know he's playing with me, so I'm going to play back. Okay. DJ's a conversationalist. He is. Um, you really don't if you if you have a, a an appointment in fifteen minutes, you really don't want to get caught talking to him on the way out the door. Thirty, but okay. 
Um, and then, you know, on certain days, PK can just make you feel like you're nothing. Uh, just the little glances he gives you. By certain days, you mean days that end in Y. Not Correct. true. You all mean everything to me. You're my guys. Um, the only time I actually, the only time I hear from him is when I have Stones concert tickets in uh, Vegas or access to a golf course. Let's put it that way. Not true. Not true. Not true. So yeah, but but I do have unique relationships with both. Um, I think informationally, DJ is about as good as it gets. Oh yeah, he's something. Um, sarcasm level. He's off you the know, charts. Nearing him. a 101 for PK, which is really, it's New Jersey-centric. <laughs> He's something. <laughs> I just think Mitchell's as good as Chris Paul, that's all. So we are at the end of the segment. But next week, Tim, when you come on, uh, we'll talk about the ever-evolving priority of where you should take shots and why Chris Paul is a recipe for how the NBA needs to evolve. You and like pro- his mid-range? And if they're taking away dunks and threes, and you shoot what everybody else shoots at the mid-range, it's an ineffective shot. But if you're as automatic as Chris Paul, maybe we ought to double back and see how efficient that shot is. And if uh, NBA guys, if you want to stick in the league, maybe you should take about 10,000 of those next summer. Yeah, Get yourself you on a Chris Paul trajectory. <laughs> I like it. You could play, you know, just turn, as you practice, you could turn Pointer Sisters automatic on in the gym. Sing and it. maybe that would subliminally. No, I'll let PK sing it. Okay. All right, we appreciate it. That one. Tim Lacombe. Not one of the Pointer sisters, but one of the Pointer's cousins, maybe. All right, thanks, Tim. Cousins. Once removed. All right, later. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst. Did you know one of the, point, uh, one of the brothers of the Pointer sisters was an NFL referee? I think you told me that. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. Coming up, question of the day for you Ute fans. Tim addressed it briefly. Best accomplishment in the history of the Utah Athletic Department. We will get to that next. Stay with us. This is unripe. You guys are doing a hell of a job. So what's the thing that pushes Kyle Whittingham to not be at Utah anymore? That pushes him not to be at Utah? Yeah. Or, or to stay at what at point Utah? is he going to be say, you know oh, what, just, I am going to be done? When I'm retired. I don't see Kyle Whittingham going, all right, I'm going to go build another program. I don't think that he wants to do that. I think he's got this thing where it's a well-oiled machine and they, they got it rolling. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Prepping for the holidays, Zero Res can help clean up before and after the festivities, keeping your carpets clean well into 2022. Give Zero Res a jingle by calling 801-288-9376 or book it online at zeroresaltlake.com. Or if you're up north, it's zeroresdavisweaver.com. All right, PK, question of the day. Where does the Rose Bowl rank on the athletic department's list of accomplishments? That's so simple. It's overwhelmingly number one. Overwhelmingly. Yeah. We do have a lot of people who are bringing up the 1998 NCAA basketball title game. 
Michael, number one, basketball national championship. Number two, Sugar Bowl win. If they win the Rose Bowl, then that's bigger than the Sugar no, Bowl. No, 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 no. You're just looking at it right in front of you. Have vision, my good friends. So I was blessed with good vision. You were blessed with the ability to read lips. Thank you. <laughs> He came in here wanting, I have the gift. I'm just able to read lips. Yeah, when they say bleep you, we can all see it, buddy. <laughs> well, how about this? <laughs> yeah, see, I can see it. <laughs> he came in here touting himself. I have the ability to have vision. Great. What I was your point? See. All that stuff was just, as you would say, the one-offs. There was no staying power. You didn't cash in on any of it. Sure they did. Well, they didn't. They went to the Fiesta Bowl in 04. They clearly recruited a lot of good players of it because four years later, the natural lifespan life cycle of a college athlete, they're in the Sugar Bowl. They can't. Then they, then, then they didn't the ca- Okay, They cashed in on the Fiesta, then they didn't cash in on the Sugar Bowl, which everybody views as better than the Fiesta. So the logic is inconsistent there. The that, only, man, that was simple. The only time in the history of the school they've had three consecutive double digit win seasons. Sugar Bowl 8, 9, 10. So again, they cashed in on and won a bunch of games the next two years. Mountain West, that and then all those Mountain West people, all that Mountain West talent Went helped five them and go. seven in the Pac-12. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're done with that. You ha- you've come home. You've found your home. You have found your eternal resting place, and it is the Pac-12. So look what they did then. Going with your argument, they cashed in on it those levels. This level is a thousand times bigger than those levels. So imagine what they're going to do. National championships and playoffs and beyond to infinity. That's wrong, and I'll tell you why. Next. And then I'll correct you. Thank you. I look forward to this. <laughs> Stay with us. Guys, Mickey Couture wants to help you out this holiday season with the perfect gift. Stop in a new location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Get in today. Save 50% and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. Best accomplishment in Utah Athletic Department history. They got a lot of good accomplishments to choose from in the last 25 years or so. And there's probably other stuff we could go back to, but back in the day, NCAA and NIT titles had some guys win both those tournaments in their careers back in the 40s. But sticking with the last 25 years, the Mountain West stuff, one-off, the Rose Bowl, there's a level of status that goes with that that can't be beat. But how do you value beating out 11 other teams to get to the Rose Bowl versus beating out the whole country, minus Kentucky, to get to an NCAA basketball title game. Competitively, isn't it harder to beat all those schools? I mean, we, we treat the Sweet oh, 16 with the like a again. big accomplishment. I, I wish the big skies and the, and the big wests of the world would go Division One AA. Then you wouldn't be able to say that. Okay, so the, you can just <laughs> go with 50 or 75 or 100 elite basketball programs, whatever number you want. And you had to beat them out so to be one of the so last two standing. The success determines, even though you only had to win four games, somehow you had to beat 350 teams. Which you only had to win four to get to the final four. Not and you had to win five to get to the title game. Right. But the final four was an awesome accomplishment. And they took it a step beyond that. So that's even better for sure. Uh, 
there was no ramifications from it. It's not like a bunch of recruits flooded in. They gained nothing from it. Majerus downplayed it the second it happened. We're not any closer to L.A. He went on and on and on. I remember the quote. I do remember the quote about L.A. So the guy who did it didn't think it was going to have staying power. He didn't think he was going to do it again. You're he looking stood in line for... that night. He stood in line that night to get somewhere to eat in San Antonio and told somebody that was our shot. Yeah. You're looking for the opportunity to be consistent. That's the greatness is defined by consistency. Rodney Hood had a quarter of his life one year against the Lakers. Remember that? But consistency. I don't even know where Rodney Hood's playing these days. Go go do it again. And again. He's in Portland, isn't he? That's why the statues have statues. Because they went and did it again and again, year after year. And now you've got the chance here to cash in well beyond. Lincoln Riley's the greatest coach ever. There's no question about it. (laughs) That's your next thing. You've already decided. (laughs) It's like I told you, spring game boy was the greatest quarterback ever. Uh, But even Lincoln, the greatest coach in any sport, is going to need some time. So you've got an opportunity here, and you're set up. Blake Anderson says he doesn't need time. Turn it around. Get the transfers. At his level, he did a phenomenal job. Good for him. It's a higher level. And you've got this opportunity here to cash in, and you've got so many built-in advantages that SC doesn't have. There's no pro teams to compete with. You're the big dog. Kids Not having the NFL in your backyard is a big deal. Kids want to go where it matters. Every game, they've had like the hammer, your guy, John Wilner, the hammer, the guy you look up to so much. <laughs> People don't know who the hammer is. And I, I just said John Wilner. John Wilner. <laughs> the hammer. <laughs> you assign all these things. You're beautiful creating these straw men. <laughs> it's classic. The herd you never did a debate team. was your guy. You never did a debate team in high school or college. That to I didn't me need is, to. Is they phenomenal. came to me every day. I debated everything all day long. I didn't need anything official. I don't need a certificate to say I love her. I mean, come on. But you have one. Right, but I don't need one. <laughs> Isn't that the line? I think it's a bunch of crap, but that's what the line they use. Um, the hammer. Your guy, John Wilner. <laughs> assigning, assigning. Lead. Well, you take everything he puts as gospel. I do not. I agree you do. <laughs> so he leans over in the press room to Mark Harlan and asks him, how many sellouts in a row have you had? I think Harlan arches back. I think his answer was 12 years in a row, 132 or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. That matters. That freaking matters. Utah has so many advantages over everybody in the South, literally everyone in the South. A lot of the North. Right. Watch a game out of Memorial Stadium at Cal. I would agree. Advantage. But we're just going on the South. Right, okay. and now they're in the Rose Bowl. They're the top dog. They can cash in on it in a manner that they can never cash in. Even Eric would agree with us. Eric, good morning. 
um, I even remember watching the Sugar Bowl and just the amazement of what was happening in the Sugar Bowl. But there was no guarantee that after that we were going to have the staying put power. Right. And I do think that right now, you look at this season, okay, were it not for the first three games that was, you know, that we had another quarterback in, uh, we would probably be having a different conversation and we probably would not be in the Rose Bowl. We'd be in a different bowl, right? Even maybe at, uh, if, we, if we had a two-loss Pac-12 championship team, we, we would potentially be in the playoff. But I, I think that with two deaths that happened in, in, within the course of a year, uh, with a quarterback turnaround, then going 8-1 and one in the conference and beating Oregon, not just which is a top-tier program, not just once but twice, yeah. um, I think... I, I I do think that this um, I think that this trumps that, and especially if we beat Ohio State, that's it would be an incredible um, place to hang our hat on. So yeah, I think this is sustainable. I think this is not just a moment. I think that this is bringing a ton of continued energy, and uh, and I've always been a huge advocate for Kyle Whittingham, um, and I think that that again, this is one of those reasons that. Love him or hate him, the guy produces consistent results. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate the call. It's obvious and a well-educated man. DJ, you line up on the wrong side of history so much. I really don't. But I mean, it's and you know, I think sometimes I feel bad for you. You really never do. I do. No, you don't. I I can't win as consistently as I do (laughs) and not deny you of your dignity. This is. Did you steal this from Kornheiser? (laughs) Or you just enjoy it so much. You do the same thing. They have that competition. I forget what they call the little game on PTI. I haven't watched PTI in a good He always announces he's going to win it before he wins it, and then he always announces he won it afterwards. New York. I know. (laughs) We're used to winning. He always says this. Go ahead. The floor is yours. What makes this is what he said. Who said, Eric? What Eric just said. Okay about overcoming the two deaths in the program is, to me, what separates this and makes it so impressive. All these things are impressive. Winning, beating out teams that are better funded, are closer to major markets and huge recruiting centers. There was a guy who played for the uh, Chargers in the 90s, Rodney Culver, and he and his wife were on an airplane home to Florida, and the plane crashed, and everybody, including those two, died. And the Chargers, who were supposed to be pretty good, had a terrible season. And Afterwards, and it was a little while afterwards, and in this story, 90s, some stuff from the 90s has been saved on the internet, but a lot of it hasn't. I haven't been able to find the story, but a writer in San Diego did this comprehensive thing about um, players dying and what it has done to teams. And they, they talked to psychologists about people feeling indestructible and all the quotes you think they get. But the track record of the teams that had these sudden tragic deaths to young people in the prime of their life routinely wrecked their results on the field, on the court, whatever. And there were a couple of exceptions, but it was clear that usually it had a super negative effect on winning and losing, which obviously isn't the most important thing when you've had one of these tragedies in, inside your group, inside your circle. To have two of them and to come out of it and win what was the quote about masterclass in, in uh, psychology? Was that Ben who tweeted it out, I think? 
Someone, Tim, oh. Tim mentioned it. Yeah, Tim Lacombe mentioned it when he was on. That, to me, is the thing that separates all these things that have been won that people have mentioned this morning are difficult to do. But you can't just look at the title. you got to dig down a couple layers. And overcoming these two total gut punches, whatever expression you want to use, huge accomplishment. Sure. I can't speak to it, though. We haven't been on a team where that happened, been in a locker room where we felt that, where it was our friend. But that when I read that, my best friend in my little league team died. Yeah. When I read when that, we were eleven years yeah. old. I was a pole bearer. Yeah. When I read that twenty five years ago, like the evidence that they and all the teams they quoted, and I wish I could find that story. Maybe one day I will. It was it was overwhelming. So I think going on this tear and winning nine out of ten, really impressive. But I, I separate that because I have no knowledge of that. And I know people want to intertwine that, mm-hmm. and that's fine. I just can't. I don't know what it means. I'm so far out of my league on that that I just speak to the football. And winning 9 out of 10 is absolutely awesome. Uh, I, I, to me, if you want to think that those two are pulling shots somewhere, that's your call. Go ahead. I don't know if it's true. I don't know that it's not true. I'm an agnostic on it. I look at the quarterback change as the reason. If you think there's some spiritual aspect of it, great. I'm not going to argue with you. I don't know if there is, but I do know they got the right quarterback. And I said it well before they made the the quarterback switch that spring game boy wasn't it. And I don't care what he did at Baylor. He wasn't it. The other guy was it. That's what I look at. But if you want to connect... Spiritual dots, go ahead. I don't argue with you. Uh, well, I'm with you on that. But I still think that you can look and say, that was a tremendous coaching job. Of course Not just by Kyle, but by the whole staff, all the people who've got to interact with these players. And Kyle went into, in one of his post-game interviews, you know, how many people it takes to make a successful college football program. And so it, it even goes beyond the coaches. Um but huge accomplishment, turning that around and winning. And, and they're all huge accomplishments. I mean, what Majerus did coming out of the whack, you know, just doesn't get done. And he did it. He got him to a title game. Yeah. And it was, it was massive, it massive was, accomplishment. It was phenomenal. I just think this is bigger. Now, go put the, you're a big TV ratings guy. What's the Rose Bowl ratings versus the uh, final game in college basketball? Uh, there's going to be... I have to dig that up. I don't know. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on the University of Utah. Yeah. A lot of eyeballs. Right. And I think they have the opportunity to cash on this, cash in on this in a level that they've never done in any sport ever. And if they cashed in on the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl and Fiesta Bowl, only can imagine what they would do on the Rose Bowl. That That strengthens my argument. That doesn't reduce it. Don't read me some TV ratings, please. Too late. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. I can tell you this: compared nerd, to the Pac-12 don't. title game, seven times the viewers. When you talk about a massive impact, <laughs> that's the most watched game they played of the year, and now it's going to be six or seven times that. It's going to be huge. Huge impact. 
Right. Five o'clock Eastern time. The sun is going to be shining on the sand games. <laughs> there are going to be people on the East Coast who just <laughs> tune in, like, game, whatever. Like, take another shot of those trees peeking over the edge of the, uh, the, edge of the uh, Rose Bowl. I did it at 10 years of age. Can remember Magical. Thinking, thinking that is heaven. The, the scenery, the setting, and it is. And all you Ute fans who've been down there when they've played the, uh, well, they played the Bruins, not the Trojans because they played them in the Coliseum. But when they have regular season games, there's no comparison. None. Zero. It's not, it's not even close to the same. You're going to have chills. I have come up to that stadium. I have been to a game at the Rose Bowl when there were 45,000 people there. It's a totally different experience, New Year's Day. I've also been there for a sellout USC-UCLA game. That alone is different. But putting it on New Year's Day and hyping it up for a month, totally different. And I've been there multiple times. And, and as a fan and as a dispassionate fan, and it is just, it's hollowed ground for me. And it will be for you too, all of you tens of thousands, they're going to have 50,000, 60,000 red, Utah red, crimson red there. And it is going to be, supersedes anything they've ever done. Football's bigger than basketball, much bigger. Multiple outlets doing stories yesterday on the uh, Utah ticket distribution and how fast that is going. And people who aren't, because uh, they've got different tiers and different levels, and they go through the levels as they sell the tickets, and people who are way down the list, or maybe not even on it, buying tickets through Ohio State. Ohio State's open them up to the public. Mm-hmm. So the Utes are going to be way past their ticket I'm allocation. buying two. Going to sit in the stands. No. For your wife and somebody. Yeah. Okay. You'll be in the press box. Well, yeah, She'll yeah. I'm not stands. buying. They, the two women won't be together. I'll have one on this side of the stadium, one on that side of the stadium. What are you, a pro athlete? <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of people in Major League Baseball, NFL, and NBA teams going, uh, 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 okay. <laughs> I'm taking care of both of them. <laughs> Just kidding. They will, I assume they will be together. When I purchase them next week, but I've got side by side, not one row right above the other. I assume (laughs) I'll soon. I haven't bought them yet. I was told I could buy them and uh, I'll do it next week or maybe this week, whenever. And uh, for sure, yeah. Well, if you get a couple extra, get them for Nick Ford because it sounds like he's going to be short on tickets. Six, he hopes. They get six? Is that what they get? He was hoping that. That's what he told us oh. yesterday. He was hoping that they would get six. Well, yeah, then they'd have to... But have he could to. he could blow through 20 or 30 in a heartbeat. It's the Rose Bowl, and he went to high school well, down there. I don't even know what number. If he could have any number, he might pick 80 or 100. But. I've also had other people reach out to me. Can I get them tickets? I think I can. I have the ability to purchase two, and I'm going to. Uh, because it's going to be fun, and I, and I feel I feel a representative of Utah. And my Utah pride surfaces in this situation. That guy from Dayton, Ohio, irritates you. Yeah, yeah. You just, 
it's about competition. And it's about when you've earned the right to get something, whatever that right is. You know, Quinn Snyder earned the right to be the jazz coach. He coached in Siberia. He coached (laughs) in the CBA, G League, D League, whatever it's called. Yeah. You know, he paid the price to be where he is. And I'm big on that because I paid the price. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have anybody. I paid the price. Well, you had a dad. You just didn't have a dad who could set you up in the profession and skip 10 steps. He could have set me up in the janitorial business. Quickly and skip 10 steps. But I didn't want it. Well, then you got to <laughs> go. he didn't want it for me. Then you got to go grind. <laughs> Off to Casa yeah. Grande with you. <laughs> so if you pay the price and you earn it, I'm all for it. And the Utes have earned the right to run out of that tunnel at 2 o'clock New Year's Day, a little before, on California time. And I don't care what your name is. You've earned the right. And that really, really bugs me when you want to be a snob about it because you grew up in Ohio and somehow, and you're an Ohio State fan, and that somehow you're better. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm an Alabama fan. Move over. I'm an Alabama fan, man. <laughs> I've been to their stadium. I'm an Alabama. I mean, just cherry pick the best. Give me a break. That's a bunch of crap. And plus, there's a lot of Utah fans who've earned the right to be Utah fans, too. Because they were there in the 70s and 80s. The 90s weren't as bad, obviously. But before we the, got here, they the, sucked, is what we're told. The old stadium. Yeah. The woods splitting. Yeah. Don't, don't drop anything. It's a long way down. That bench is split. And all those people, they ought to put them in the front row. From 50-yard line, 10 rows up. All those great Utah fans who have been there for years and years. And now, yeah, you're living the high life, so celebrate wildly. And if you have the finances to get down there, that would just be absolutely awesome. And I know there's going to be plenty of you because I saw you in the Fiesta Bowl, and this is the same thing. If you had 50 in the Fiesta Bowl, I see no reason why you don't have more than 50 in the Rose Bowl. I love the Fiesta Bowl. It's my game. I've been there as a fan. I've covered many of them over the years when I lived down there. But the Rose Bowl is better. Invisible is fine. Great place to go, obviously. Uh, so I'm expecting tens of thousands. Whatever they had in Tempe, and I saw for myself, they'll have more here. And they've earned the right. That's what chaps me about this guy putting that stuff out there. You're just disrespecting a football program that is in the building at 5.30 in the morning and doing all the things that they need to do. And you're disrespecting them because they're Utah? That that seriously gets under my skin. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, next. Stay with us. It's official. The Utes are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the Utes to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio State? Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 
Toss comes to the near side for Harris. He runs through Go a big kid. hole, and he's gone to the 50. A burst to the 40. Alone to the 20. Damien Harris to the house. Touchdown, Patriots. Snap. Fakes a hand up. Fires a strike. Caught. Touchdown, Buffalo. Touchdown, Bills. It is Gabriel Davis. An absolute fastball from Josh Allen. And the Bills find the end zone. Cashing in on the takeaway. Jones under center. Flanked by two teammates. He steps back. Two steps. Takes the knee at the That's 10. Boys. And the Patriots take a win back to New England. Nine AM Slacker Radio Headlines brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up. It's a $59 furnace tune-up special. You can also visit them online at Lee'sHeatAC.com. There's the Monday Night Football game. The Patriots win again 9-4. They are rolling. Best record in the AFC. They're multiple teams at 8-4, and four, and maybe that gap will be closed when they have their bye week and the other teams have a chance to catch up. But nonetheless, after a, a little bit of a slow start for the Patriots, seven straight wins. Well, I think this is who they are. Last year wasn't who they were. They had players opt out. They had salary cap issues. They had yeah. dead money. They had to take hits, and they cleared all that out. Had one bad year, hit reset, and they are back. And they've got an elite defense. And they got a functional quarterback who will get better. Those were the two best defenses in the AFC. And, of course, the weather helped with that. But I, I can't 14-10 give him the win. Game. I can't give him the win. Mac Jones does not deserve the win. Sorry, MJ. You're not 9-4. and four. I can't give you that win. I can't assign you that win. When you only throw three passes. Two of three for 19 yards. It's like last week you said Taysom Hill was 3-1. and one. No, I couldn't assign him to Denver 1 when they had to play receiver at quarterback. That didn't count. You did nothing. Three and two now. It's three and one last year. Right. But going into the but going into that game, it was three and one as a starter. That's like a relief pitcher coming in, pitching one third of an inning, gets the win, and all three outs. Oh no, only only one out came with Mike Trout making the greatest catch you've ever seen, leaping over the fence. I thought you were going to go with the catcher throwing a runner out of second base. <laughs> You come in, you throw a pitch out, guy guns him down, got the out, you're out of there. Now have the no, win. No, no, even worse is you got tagged, but the fielder makes some phenomenal play. Run up the wall. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, Trout has made you know those game-saving home runs, and somehow you get the win. That's, that's a silly baseball rule. Came on Thibodeau saying what we all knew. He's going to the NFL. He's not going to play in the bowl game. No Alamo Bowl for him. Oregon and Oklahoma. Or whoever's left at Oregon and Oklahoma after all the NFL-bound guys on those two teams opt out. Yeah. I've, two two schools undergoing coaching changes after having their coaches hired away. Kayvon going to go home to Southern California and train. Get yourself ready. Leave Eugene in the rearview mirror, man. There's no need to go back. And for, I don't even know that he needs to do a pro day. <laughs> right? What's the point? Right. Mario Cristobal. Oregon football coach going to Miami, going to his alma mater. Going to get paid about $8 million. They're also buying out Manny Diaz for $8 million and buying out Cristobal for $9 million. And then who knows what they're spending increasing the, the pool for the assistant coaches or increasing the recruiting budget or any other upgrades to the program. But they're at least $25 million in, and the number's got to be north of that. 
So that's a lot of Cuban cigars right that's, there. That's uh, well, apparently it's a lot of money <laughs> out of the U Health. The Miami U Health has made four hundred million dollars in the last year. Pandemic is lucrative. Pand- and they're talking about building an on-campus stadium too. When you've got almost half a billion dollars, the history the, the history of college teams playing in NFL stadiums is not is not glorious. There are a few exceptions, but largely it's a matter of convenience. But the stadiums are too big; they're not on campus, and you just don't get the atmosphere. Minnesota's program got better when they built the on-campus stadium. They'd played in the Metrodome with the Vikings and the Twins for years. Pittsburgh did win the ACC, playing in the. Uh, in the Steelers Stadium. But Miami, if they can get on campus, I think that would be a good move. Now what happens in Oregon? Your phone was burning up, PK, until the point that you had been told enough. Yeah, I had multiple uh, folks that I was dealing with. Uh, and I heard about 8 o'clock... Last night that Kalani has been contacted by Oregon, which was no surprise. I'm Tom Hummel's well aware of this. I got a piece coming out here. Should be up online shortly. Uh, I was told it's going to be an interesting week in the football program. Uh, everybody knows about it. Coaches know about it. The sport people know about it. So it's no surprise to them. They're well aware of what's going on. And then we'll see how the process plays out. BYU, as Tom said on BYU's uh, their in-house Sports Nation thing, what's that a TV show? Uh, that uh, they're they're working on it, and we'll see what their final offer is, and what Oregon's final offer is, and all the packages that that entails, and then if he's offered the job, he has a decision to make. I don't know that he'll be offered the job. You know, there's some line of thinking, oh, man, they really got even a big sizzle because Lincoln Riley was just the sexiest name, the stunner. I think that's a bunch of crap myself. Don't win the press conference. Get a coach who will win, and away you go. Yeah. The press conference is great, but when you talk about lasting impact and stuff you can build off of, that is definitely built on sand. It can be. doesn't always guarantee either way. Uh, You know, what can you do? There's two, two things you need to do. You need to recruit well, and then you need to develop the talent that you have. Because there's plenty of four-star guys who go to whatever school, fill in the blank, and then you never hear from them again. No, or they end up transferring, don't even stay there, can't get on the field. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm not really interested in that. Uh, That just means, okay, because once you get to training camp, uh, you know who's the the coaches are going to play their best players. I remember A. Rod's had a statement on quarterbacking a while back. I, I don't know which show he was on. may have been ours or somebody else. And he said, I'm paid by wins. And the only thing I'm going to do is play the best player. So whoever we feel, I feel, is the best quarterback, that's who's going to play. Because otherwise, I'm out of a job. So this is favorites. Get out of town. Now the parents of the backup think you're playing favorites. We understand, particularly at quarterback, when only one guy plays. So then they come up with uh, this or that. But all that's just a bunch of crap. So play the best players and develop. You've got It's up to you to develop them. I mean, Whittingham and his staff and Scally and those guys have done a phenomenal job of developing guys. 
developing into the level of uh, NFL guys. I mean, they had two guys a couple years back who got drafted that just a year before, there's no way they would have been drafted. I'm not even sure they would have been picked up as free agents. And that's Cody Barton and, and Terrell Burgess. And both those guys stuck it out. Something to be said. They said, uh, poster dudes for sticking it out, not running out, out the door if something doesn't go your way and making by big, the fourth game. Making big leaps <laughs> late in their career. Yeah. And both those dudes stuck it out, stuck it out, stuck it out, had great seasons, and then were draft picks and are still in the NFL, right? Rams and Seahawks? So the list of potential candidates, Kalani is on the list. Uh, there's multiple people writing multiple stories about this. You'll see Justin Wilcox mentioned. He's the Cal coach. He's a former Oregon defensive uh, he played back. There. He played yeah. there, yeah. Chip Kelly, the former Oregon head coach, now at UCLA. Red flag there because the second tour often doesn't go as well but as the first. But he was something like uh, oh, it was off 46 and 7. Yeah. Yep. Did a lot of winning. Interestingly, not a lot of his players, particularly on offense, have blown up in the NFL. No. Uh, Brian Harson, former Boise State coach, who is often thought to want the Oregon and Washington jobs, took the Auburn job. He's been there one year. So that'd be a little. That'd be a little awkward. Well, yeah, but it's been done. It has been done. How is it? How everything is awkward. <laughs> right. Chris Cristobal. Coaching his team to getting destroyed when you clearly had other interests. Yep. There is that's not there's awkward. Nobody that thinks that these coaching hires are happening, whether it's this one or Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame for LSU or Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC. No, nobody thinks this stuff's happening in 24, 48 hours. No, it's this ridiculous. Place, These massive moves. I know. And and USC's firing a coach two games into the season so they can get a head start on a head coaching job, but they didn't talk to Lincoln Riley until the day after his last game. Yeah. Okay, yeah. then they talked to intermediaries. And he Obviously. talked to the same intermediaries. Yeah. At minimum. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless yeah. they actually did speak. Take a phone call on a bye week. Well, he said he didn't. Uh, I sat there phone. in his press conference. I know he said he, I know what he said. Yeah. Uh, the only time it's not awkward is like the Notre Dame guy who gets promoted. You know, he's there. Then you're a coordinator. He's done nothing. Yeah. He didn't seek out any other things. Didn't know his head coach was leaving. <laughs> right, right. And he gets the job. And he's 35 years old. I hope Notre Dame just just Wins for 30 years and he has some... That'd be so sweet. Yeah. Here's a guy, a grinder. While, while Kelly goes down to uh, LSU and... I don't really care. Puts his seven I'm, and fives together. I'm not going to root against Brian Kelly. He doesn't move your needle. He really, yeah. So good, good for him, man. He took the job. Would I have done the same thing? Probably. I mean, I certainly can see why he would have done what he did. It's not, it's not an outrageous move. It's just, it's a blow to, to folks who think that we're not stepping stones. Oregon, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame turned into stepping stones in the last couple of weeks. Go figure. If it can happen and to them. Oregon twice now. Yes. Taggart was, and there's the one-year example. Taggart did one year and went to Florida State. And it didn't work. No, it did not. He gone. Uh, the Harson name at Oregon, uh, he has not been forthcoming about his vaccination status. Oregon has a vaccine mandate. So if you're the Ducks and you put yourself in the situation Washington State ended up in. Go get Rolovich. 
<laughs> that's a that's a you problem if you don't get that straightened out in advance. And then a lot of the names on the list, you're just seeing it's the same guys who are at schools that are good but don't have the rep. The school doesn't have the rep. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, Dave Aranda at Baylor. I would disagree to a little bit with Baylor. Baylor has a bigger rep than Iowa State, but Baylor doesn't have the rep of Oregon or Notre Dame or Oklahoma. And their reps didn't protect them from getting their coach taken. So, I think Aranda's in a good setup. Why would you want to go? And it's not home. I mean, what can't you accomplish at uh, Baylor that you can get at Oregon? You just won the conference title. Yeah. And this was only your second year? Yep. First pandemic year did not go well. Second year went great. And he's got the LSU pedigree and was mentioned to that job. So why would he take an Oregon job if... He could have wedged his way into that LSU situation, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe he was always second on the list behind Kelly. And I don't think everybody chases the last dollar like Kyle didn't. Kyle's making over $5 million here. That's a ton of money, man. All right. I mean, let's call it like it is. I mean, I know housing prices are going through the roof over here, but still... He making $5 million and that doesn't count all the other stuff and all the free stuff that you get. $5 million and a car and a country club membership. Multiple. Yeah. And and all these bonuses you get. Yes. For going to these games. I mean, they're like, bonuses are... Pretty much built-in money. And and they're yeah. of the level, like 150000 for this or that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're real salaries for guys like you and me. That he's just getting in almost there like are, throwaway bonus money. The number of times you've seen bonuses <laughs> between uh, twenty five grand and two hundred grand as these teams and and they're they're guys who track this nationally and they're just putting that stuff out there on on Twitter and in their weekly columns. Coaches getting a sixth win bonus. Coaches qualifying for a. Uh, Conference championship game, bonus. Beating a rival, bonus. Winning the conference title game, bonus. Hitting an eighth or tenth win, bonus. Yeah. If they, if Oregon wants a hometown guy, Wilcox is your guy. His father played there. His father's in the NFL uh, Pro, Hall of, uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, and his brother played there. He played there. So if you're looking for ties to the program, there you go. Yeah, those, those run deep. And obviously, Oregon's a much better job than Cal. Clearly. Oregon has a tradition of hiring inside the program. Now, this won't be inside the program, but they like ties. Um, Seen a lot of coaches promoted from within. The last coach who was hired outside, I guess, was... Was Taggart. Was Taggart, and before that was Brooks. And And Brooks was back in 77. And and that's before Knight. Yeah. But Bilotti was uh, promoted, and Chip Kelly was promoted, and Helfer was promoted. And Cristobal was promoted. He was on Taggart's staff, wasn't he? Yes, he was. So how far will they go outside the family? Well, the offense coordinator, Moorhead, just left. So that takes one out. And their defense coordinator, he's only been there a year. I don't know who it is off the top of my head, but I know the defensive coordinator before that is now the Boise coach. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12. Andy, and actually, uh, Alice has been mentioned in some of these stories. There's another guy who'd be on the list. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The question of the day, Utah Athletic Department, the greatest achievement. What is it? We'll get to your feedback next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. This is unright. You guys are doing a hell of a job. It is the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl from Pasadena, California. It's indescribable even now. And part of it for me, there was not a snowball's chance. Like a snowball's chance that Utah was going to go to the Rose Bowl. Or a bowl when I was at Utah. <laughs> a bowl. Any bowl. I mean, any bowl. And and to see this happen and to watch it unfold in front of my eyes. And, and, and I mean not just that game, but to see the whole entire season. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Join Unrivaled Friday at the warehouse from noon to 3. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom! What is the greatest accomplishment in Utah Athletic Department history? Robert says, in just football history, this could become number one if they beat Ohio State. I agree it's going to be epic. I truly wish I could go watch the game after the parade. But apparently he can't. Now, if you can't, you can't. So, I mean, I don't discount that. Uh, finances are an issue for sure. So, uh, I get that. Uh, but, yeah. As I said earlier, Ohio State is Ohio State. That is true. They're on top of their game. And I realize they didn't get on top of their game this year, but 99% of the programs would take what Ohio State did, did this year. They lost one time in a decade to Michigan. Good on Michigan. It's not like all of a sudden Harbaugh owns Ohio State. Same thing. BYU doesn't own Utah. A rivalry, it, it, winning 10 in a row in a rivalry, you know what it is at that point? It's not a rivalry. You own them. Georgia and Georgia Tech is no longer a rivalry. Georgia owns Georgia Tech. Yeah, come on. Georgia Tech, give me a break. Uh, So, they got them. Michigan got them. But Ohio State still is the cream of the crop. I mean, this young fella here, this quarterback, what's his name, Shroud? Doesn't he just like, he he looks like an animal? Isn't he going to be a beast? Isn't he going to be next year great? Does he look like he's going to be really good in the NFL? Aren't the answers to all this yes, 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 and yes? It looks pretty good. The one thing I would say about the NFL is when you're in college and you're on a team that's loaded with talent and you have a huge talent advantage, it certainly makes the job easier. And in the NFL, a lot of that stuff evens out. There are advantages, but they tend to be really slight. And then you're a legend because you're Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers and you, Patrick Mahomes, and you take advantage of those slight advantages. And I get all that. But I'm saying right now. Right now, the arrow looks up with this guy. The ceiling looks like it's Mount Everest. It's 29,000 sure. feet. If, if this guy does go on to be all that and end up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you can't say, I was completely surprised he didn't look that good when he was... Well, I mean, watching him, and, and he's got three receivers who all look like they're going to play in the NFL. Oh, for sure. It looks like USC, what they had a few years ago when they were just running out one And, and every awesome running back at Ohio State is like a pathway to the NFL. Yeah. Yeah. And look at this. They've had a four- and a five-star kid in the offseason quarterback transfer already. Because <laughs> they see the handwriting on the wall. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the but one, they also have a high. St- I mean, um, the quarterback at Corner Canyon flips his recruit there, and so they, if they lose a four or five star guy, they just pull in another. Oh four yeah, or five I got it. I got it. I got it. I mean, it just. Yeah, he hasn't used his eligibility yet. Doesn't he's got play a that much next in year, age, right. and then the kid goes to the NFL because he's a redshirt freshman, isn't he? He was on the team last year, so that if would be can, next year would be his third year. He'd be eligible. And that would be eligible for the draft, right? So I can see what the Brown kid's thinking. And then two, that's why I think this this transfer rule is really going to pay bigger dividends to the bigger schools because why not take a shot at the big time? Because if it doesn't work, you have a free transfer. And you don't have to play that game, do I redshirt, do I not redshirt, so I can have, maintain my redshirt at in the next place. You don't have to worry about that anymore. And they give you four games to play to where it doesn't count. So... Why wouldn't you go if Ohio State's saying we love you, we love you, love you? Try it, because if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. You're gonna you're gonna at least get an NFL paycheck at some point. The days of uh, those guys at those schools where the running backs are the heroes and all that. Those those big time programs are now producing big time quarterbacks or at least NFL guys. Then it's up to you once you get there. We'll see what Justin Fields does with the Bears or whatever down the line. You know, it's way too early to judge right now. Uh, but those guys, those schools now produce NFL quarterbacks. I'm looking at you, Mac Jones, Alabama, and, and Bryce Young. Bryce Young looked better than Tagovailoa, Mac Jones. And Jalen Hurts last Saturday. I think I thought he looked better than all three of those guys, didn't he? How long is it going to be before we're just going to be able to look at like two or three college teams and think, oh, they have half the NFL quarterbacks? That'll be interesting because it is such a fickle position. I don't know that we will because of those reasons you just prior stated. I mean, we're they talking about starters. We're not talking about NFL rosters. We're talking about starting quarterbacks yep. who've won games. You know, it, 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 when we were growing up in Oklahoma, Troy Aikman had to leave Oklahoma to go to the NFL because they ran a wishbone. And a lot of schools were right <laughs> off the radar because of that. They had great quarterbacks, yeah. but they were great at running, running the wishbone. It wasn't going to translate to Nebraska and Oklahoma. Yeah. Well, two off the top of my head. But the whole SEC was running it, too. And th- th- those days are long gone, except for the service academies. Yeah. Uh, you chased a trailer. Hey, did PK just ask DJ what Oregon have did that Baylor have not did? Essentially, I didn't mangle it. I wish I would have. <laughs> upon, upon further review, that would have been fun. Phenomenal quote. I love it. I knew what he meant. I just had to decipher, but once I deciphered, I knew what he meant. All right, DJ and PK, we're all done. Jake and Ben are coming up next. Stay with us.